it seems to have been some kind of a preoccupation over the ages of putting wings on something, you know, bird wings. You know, we, we see birds, they have wings. Let's put bird wings on something else, and it becomes something new. Bird wings on a horse, it becomes a pegasus. And usually you might want to add that unicorn horn, but you don't have to. It could be a pegasus unicorn or just a regular pegasus. But what about like a little human baby? Add wings, becomes a cherub with a little bow and arrow. Makes people fall in love, right? Putting, putting wings on things uh, has, has been this kind of uh, process. Uh, you know, putting a wings on a humanoid, human-type character becomes an angel, right? Um, adding wings to things. And um, one thing that they put wings on is, is, is toasters. And flying toasters have become weirdly like a thing, right? It was, uh, I don't know the true origin of it, but I first heard of it, of course, in the After Dark screensaver, which was a product that was huge and important and everyone had it and everyone cared about it. It was uh, back in the day when your computer had this uh, cathode ray monitor, which I have one right over here, as you heard a couple episodes ago, my Zenith. The cathode ray tube, which is a, a, a glass, it's almost like a bottle in a way, uh, with uh, one side of it <laughs> with uh, coated with a material that reacts to a beam of energy. Is it electrons? What is the beam inside a cathode ray tube? Maybe they're cathode rays. But you know what I'm saying? It's like a big bottle <coughs> that's shooting. It's directing a, a, a directed energy beam that can be uh, influenced in terms of its direction. I'm assuming using magnets. You know, I really thought I understood this. I thought I understood what the, how the cathode ray tube worked. But, right, it's basically, um, you imagine you're shooting. Im- imagine you have like a, a hose and you're pointing it at a wall covered in mud and as you kind of you direct the the water to kind of go back and forth to kind of clean off the mud that's kind of what it's how it's drawing the image right the beam is scanning across that phosphorescent surface from inside it's a vacuum in there and uh the material there lights up briefly when it's exposed to this beam of energy cathode rays or whatever they are is this a real technology? This sounds like it's made up, but it's how television works <coughs> and the old computer monitors, right? You would, uh, you would, this beam would hit and then that section would be lit up temporarily and then it would fade away until it was hit again. So the idea is that this beam and its intensity as it's scanning is being controlled as well, drawing the pictures that make up television and, uh, so the idea was that these phosphorescent materials on the inside of the cathode ray tube, if they were on too much, they could stay permanently on and create marks. You'd see that sometimes in the old video game arcades where um, <coughs> certain scores or certain images that were just constantly being drawn uh, were permanently burned into the screen. And so you wanted to, pre- to prevent that. And uh, normally what you do is you just simply have the computer automatically turn off the screen after a certain amount of time. But for some reason, at one point, people felt you needed a screensaver, which is also more fun. It's an image that's constantly changing, so it's not just burning into one place at a time. 
So screensavers became a big thing. I mean, there still are screensavers, but they're not as big as they were. It was one of the fun parts of computers because whenever you got a new operating system, they would sort of be built in, uh, you know, the um, the new screensavers. And also the other fun stuff, you know, default fonts, system sounds, right? (coughs) Little built-in games. Right, <laughs> even the original Macintosh had little that little uh, puzzle, that four by four puzzle, where you got to move the numbers around or a picture around. You know that one, the fifteen puzzle. One version of it was unsolvable. The early version, right, where they put the numbers in order, but the fourteen and fifteen were swapped, and there's it was literally impossible to solve the puzzle. Who who made up that puzzle? That's not very nice. But if you make the 15 and 14, swap those, then, of course, as much as you scramble it, you can always unscramble it. Those were I always loved that stuff with uh, the computers, all of the new little fun stuff that was built in. And, of course, uh, in some cases there were, like, for example, the, was it Silicon Graphics Indie Workstation? I think that's what it was called. I may be wrong had a, a screensaver that was uh, so unique and so different. For years, people were trying to reproduce it, and now they, now you can get it. It's, uh, what was it called? Because I even have it on my phone. Um, but it became the stuff of legend. Um, let me look it up. Screensavers. Screensaver. Screensaver. Hold on. Anyway, uh, ElectroPaint. ElectroPaint was this screensaver. And uh, (coughs) let's see. Here's someone that has an actual uh, Silicon Graphics workstation to show the original. But, yeah, someone somewhere did uh, reverse engineer the original source code so you can get it now. It's called ElectroPaint. Um, all of these little rectangles moving in all of these patterns and stuff. But as far as After Dark, it was made by a company called, I guess, Berkeley Systems. And their, their f- number one, their f- trademark, their flagship screensaver was called the Flying Toasters. And it was simply that. It was just a bunch of toasters with wings that were flying. And as I recall, the original version was very was black and white. Maybe it was for the original monochrome, one-bit color Macintosh computers. It's a black background with just white flying toasters. And then eventually it became more and more elaborate. That Some toasters were flying, doing like loop-de-loops and stuff. It was amazing. So what happened to this country, country this company, Berkeley Systems? They... Uh, were around from 1987 to 2000. Then they were acquired by someone else. But yeah. Um, oh, they also made You Don't Know Jack. Wow. Uh, but yeah, the screensavers were, were the big thing. After Dark screensavers. And then, wasn't was there a show that had the, like, were used, like, After Dark, a bar in, like, 90210 or something? Where they used the... Uh, I don't know. Did they use the logo, like the flying 
flying toaster or something. I don't know. That's a bit more peach pit after dark. I don't know. Maybe they didn't. But anyway, the flying toasters, right? So then, of course, they were. What, what's that sound? Where's that coming from? Oh, it's electro paint. Okay. Um, they, of course, were uh, Berkeley Systems were sued by the band Jefferson Airplane, and um, because they had an album that had flying toasters on the cover, and they felt Berkeley Systems copied them. Um, let me see if I can find that. So that may have been the first flying toasters. I mean, so they would have to like if you go back in time far enough, there are no more toasters, right? I did a whole, I did many episodes about toasters and the history of toasters and everything else, and this use of toaster as an icon, as an example, you know, um, and it's sort of and the fa the fact that the Unicode Consortium has refused to allow a toaster emoji to exist, let alone a flying toaster emoji. Um, really shows kind of a lack of vision, in my opinion. There also, of course, was the famous fake video game, Toasters versus Chainsaws. And then there is, is an actual slot machine called Chainsaws versus Toasters, or one or something like that. Uh, anyway, yeah, the album was called 30 Seconds Over Winterland, this came out in 1972. It was a live album by Jefferson Airplane. And there was a lawsuit. In 1989, software company Berkeley Systems released its immensely popular After Dark screensaver. The best known of the various screensaver options was Flying Toasters. Jefferson Airplane sued Berkeley Systems in 1994, claiming that the toasters were a copy of the wing toasters featured on the 30 Seconds cover. The band's case was lost because Berkeley claimed no prior knowledge of the artwork. Jacket cover artwork had to be registered separately from the sound recording, and the judge noted the band had failed to trademark the cover art. Right. So I guess the idea is you can't really, you you can't basically, like if someone exactly copied the cover of this album, that would be a copyright infringement. But if someone was inspired by this to create their own flying toasters, that would not be copyright infringement, it could be a trademark infringement if Jefferson Airplane felt that flying toasters were associated with their brand, quote-unquote. Anyway, um, I just ran into another flying toasters thing. Yeah, there's a flying toasters team. What is this? I don't know. What, is this like the robot league where they have robots like beating the crap out of each other. First robotics competition. Yeah, so this is the Flying Toasters is a team here. But there there's there was another instance of Flying Toasters fairly recently. This just keeps going. It's just become a thing. AHL's Grand Rapids Griffins to take the ice as Flying Toasters for what could have been night. So I guess this is a hockey league known as the AHL. And there's a team called the Grand Rapids Griffins and what could have been night. You know, they have different nights celebrating different concepts. 
They say to live your life without regrets, but it's natural to look back sometimes and wonder what might have been. But the Grand Rapids Griffins are taking one step further. For their game tonight, Saturday, January 27th, 2024. Ooh, that's already passed. It's February 1st right now. Wow, it's February already. Against the Belleville Senators, the American Hockey League team is hosting what could have been night where they'll take the ice as the Grand Rapids Flying Toasters. Flying Toasters was one of the entries in the Griffins' Name the Team contest way back in 1995. And they actually have Flying Toasters uh, jerseys and everything. The metamorphosis include a logo depicting a red toaster with a scowling face and wings that's wearing skates and holding a hockey stick while pucks fly out of the slots on its back. Flying Toasters written out underneath in gold with a navy drop shadow and red outline. That logo will be front and center on the Flying Toasters jerseys, which will have a light blue base and broad red stripes bordered in white and navy blue around the waist and sleeves. The collar will red with laces and the... F- will red? I guess... Listen, proofreading is, uh, is, is, a, is a lost art. Okay. The collar will red with laces in front and a wing G logo appearing on both shoulders. The numbers of the sleeves... Uh, well, whatever. Okay. Anyway, so... Can you like can you buy this? Can you buy like any products of I don't know. What about the AHL? American Hockey League. This is as opposed to the National Hockey League. This is like another hockey league. I'm not really into sports, so I don't know this stuff. So here's the Griffins. And let me see if they have a merch shop. They must if we click around enough, we'll probably have to find a merch shop here. Let's see. No? You'd think they do merch, no? Hmm. Let me, let me see. <coughs> Alright, I have to do a separate search for AHL merch. AHLstore.com. Okay. <coughs> Here's the Grand Rapids Griffins store. And I'm scanning to see if they're selling. There's a lot of products. If they're selling the t- Flying Toasters sh- shirt. Um, hmm. Griffins are, of course, another type of mythological creature where uh, you put, like, what is it, like a lion's body and put wings on it, and then a, but then also like an eagle head. It's like a weird genetic experiment, a griffin. Hmm. No, it doesn't look like they're selling it. I, I don't know. I want to get it. I want to get it. What other teams do they have? There's a lot of teams. Let's see. Can find this. No. Hmm. These these AHL sites are like this this maze of websites. Hmm. Hold on, I'm sorry. Bridge. There's a lot of teams. Bridgeport Islanders, Charlotte Checkers, Hartford Wolfpack, Hershey Bears, Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Remember, I I I, I was there. I they they're um. They play in Allentown. Remember when I went to Allentown a couple years ago? Yeah, Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Utica Comets. I'm just scanning the names. Laval Rocket. 
Tucson? Wait, what? Tucson Roadrunners? They're all very generic names, yeah. Anyway. What do you want? Anyway, uh, yeah. I guess they're not going to have the flying toasters. Let me let me just go see if they... There's a site called Tee Public where there's all these custom t-shirts. Let's see if they have any flying toasters of any of any sort. So there's a, a a robot a robot battle team. Okay, look, Berkeley Systems T-shirt with the flying toaster on it. Flying toaster saving saving screen since 1989. Yeah, there's a few flying toasters uh, shirts. Interesting. Flying toaster. Tie. I I could swear I uh, ran into that previously. I think it was unavailable. Um, flying toasters. The dead pixel tails. What? Is this like? Is there a band? It looks like there's a band called the Flying Toasters as well. Oh look! What is this? A little pendant, shaped like an old computer that has an actual miniature video screen showing. Flying toasters on it. That's kind of interesting. What is this? That's kind of cool. It's almost like a necklace that you can wear. Animated flying toaster OLED jewelry. Can you buy this? And how does this work? In this project, we'll show you how to make very cute and adorable electronic jewelry. The flying toaster screensaver from After Dark makes great inspiration for a retro project using 3D printing and DIY electronics. You can, of course, get the parts to build this project from the shop. See, people of a certain age have a have a great fondness for the flying toaster concept. Oh, look, here's uh, just in a web browser, After Dark CSS. You can watch the flying the toasters flying, the the pieces of toast flying as well. This was one of the middle versions, right? Not the first one and not the last one. Here we go. The return of the flying toasters. Let's see. Okay. Masswork.at slash flyer. Okay. And then here, they actually built a flying toaster Why? Uh, in real life. They took a, a toaster and put wings on it. It doesn't really fly, though. You could, but it would be kind of hard to make it light enough to fly, you know. So that's a, a cool project you can do. Uh, and then here are here's the flying toasters band. Hmm. Here they are performing live. Whoa! At Madame Carol. Now I wonder if Jefferson Airplane is going to sue them now because they're an actual band. I don't know. Hmm. The flying toasters tie, of course. No, it's it's available. After dark neckwear. Seventy dollars. Yeah, no. Skip that one. <laughs> I could almost buy two lunches in New York for that much money. <clears throat> and here is a book called Flying Toasters, a Dead Pixels Tales. What? 
I didn't know there would be such a flying toaster uh, sort of, I don't know, rabbit hole to go down. Well, it's kind of interesting because, you know, last episode I had uh, that character, the jukebox, played by Scatman Crothers. Today, we, of course, we're going to be looking at one of his other characters, the other Scat Cat. But, of course, there was also the Brave Little Toaster, which you could say is based on a rectangular machine, kind of like a jukebox. But it's become alive through the art of animation. So the living jukebox and the living toaster are distantly related, I would think. Remember the Brave Little Toaster? So here we go. Flying Toasters, the Dead Pixels Tales Kindle Edition. It's a collection of engaging... Short stories that range from gritty to haunting, thought-provoking to ridiculous. The authors of Dead Pixel Publications craft tales that will appeal to all readers through solid storytelling, crossing genre lines, and focusing on brilliant characters and twisted plots. But is there anything anything about toasters or not? I don't know. In The Man Upstairs, Hannah Elizabeth cooks up a ghost story filled with dashes of wit, humor, and Generous spoonful of old-fashioned revenge. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing's about toasters, though. What is wrong with these people? Are there any complaints about the lack of toaster content? Hmm. I don't know. Let's move on from that. Uh, <coughs> flying toaster quadcopter? What? My art teacher from middle school had a running joke about flying toasters. So I was thinking about some way to get a toaster in the air. I saw the ancient flight test video with a massive toaster plane, but I wanted my project to be more compact. So these people are actually making actual toasters that can fly. Okay. I mean, this thing is, is, uh, you know, it's taken on a life of its own, this whole flying toaster thing. And this is fracking toasters? What is this? I don't know what that is, the Toasters. Oh, there there was a band called the Toasters, and I could swear I knew someone back in the 80s or 90s that knew someone that was in the band the Toasters. I mean, this I think the person I knew made this logo that I'm looking at right now. It rings a bell. Or I met someone at a party back then who was in the Toasters. Hmm. Oh, another a very different Flying Toasters look. Flying Toaster's Poster by Kelly Gillerin. Yes. <coughs> Is this the same band, though? This looks like a completely different band, the Flying Toasters. <laughs> Wait a second. This is getting... This is too much. There's too many Flying Toasters these days. Get out of here. No! What was that? You know those little things that look neon, but it's really just a block of plastic with a light underneath? You know what I'm talking about? Looks like they were selling one of those. Yeah. A a toaster flying serenely in a box forever. Oh, okay, yeah, so it's like a... Oh, but you can't... It's, again, it's it's instructions on how to make it. I don't want to make it. I just want to buy it, damn it. Uh, a, f- a plush flying toaster toy. Flying toaster earrings. Okay. I had meant to move past this topic, but I can't. I'm stuck. I'm stuck with flying toasters. 
Here's another, another, is this the same band? The Domestic Violence Task Force Benefit. Maybe it's all the same band, I don't know. Wow, a, a blow-up flying toaster from uh, from Berkeley Systems. Kind of a, like a balloon toy kind of thing. The, <clears throat> what about this toy version? Oh, it's, a, it's like a one-off toy, you know, like a plush little, like a stuffed animal, but it's a flying toaster. And then here, those are actually really beautiful, the flying toaster earrings. I don't have pierced ears, but if I did, <laughs> this would be the first in there. $90. Why is everything related to flying toasters so expensive? These are really beautiful little tiny objects, even not even part of the, it's a really beautiful little uh, thing. These iconic flying toaster earrings are designed by art using a 3D computer design program. The earrings are solid sterling silver and each charm is one half inch long and completely three-dimensional. Flying toasters first flew on the cover, the album cover 30 Seconds Over Winterland by Jefferson Airplane in 1973. Consumer warning, flying toaster charm does not actually fly. Flying Toaster Charm does not actually make toast. It's important they include that because, like, people are kind of, um, how, how would you say it without sounding, people are kind of, uh, like, dumb these days. <laughs> so I, I think they, people probably bought these Flying Toaster earrings and, and then complained, listen, these things don't fly. You said they're flying. I sue you. <laughs> Additionally, they don't make toast. I tried putting little pieces of bread in them, and they don't make them hot. Right? Because there was that other product that's distantly related. It was a vending machine cufflinks. Little tiny, again, like like a half inch. And a picture of a vending machine was on there. And they had to, on, on Amazon, they had to be like, note to consumers and potential customers, this is not an actual vending machine. Actual products will not come out. It is a picture of a vending machine. Because normally you'd think, okay, it's a cufflink and it's like a half inch and there's a little image. You see like some Cheetos in there, some Three Musketeers bars. But thinking realistically, it's just a picture. It's not – they wouldn't be able to create miniature products that with actual mechanism in the cufflinks, though that would be awfully cool if they could do that. But I guess people actually – I don't know if it was a joke or people actually complained that it was, it was not a vending machine. Listen, there's all the, it, it takes all kinds, as they say, you know. They have to say, these do not fly and they don't make toast. They're a half inch long, for God's sakes. Rather expensive, but... <clears throat> you can choose the sterling silver French hook or the hyperallergenic French hook. They're very beautiful little objects, but we're going to skip that. Yes. Anything else? Can we move past... Oh, here's one... Oh, it's the same thing, but it's used as a necklace. <coughs> yes. Flying toast shirt, flying toaster shirt, like a button-up shirt, like a dress shirt. Yeah. Great. All right. I'm gonna, no. <laughs> Here's an actual miniature toaster you can put on your, as a fridge magnet. But it actually has bread in it, but I don't think it actually works. I think it's fake bread. Probably made out of, like, foam of some sort. There. So we're on the porch now. 
So I was uh, watching some videos of uh, the brand new uh, largest cruise ship in the world, the Royal Caribbean Icon of the Seas. And what I find most interesting of it is the uh, interior spaces that are akin to a, a shopping mall, you know. And um, it is rather enormous. We we actually went on a, a, a one of those ships once. I believe it was called the Anthem of the Seas. So it's this, it's one of the predecessors to the Icon of the Seas. If you may recall, I recorded the show there on an episode called Cruising, I think, many years ago. It was a cruise to nowhere. Right? It was supposed to go up to Nova Scotia or something, but it wound up just going down the east coast to around North or South Carolina and then coming back. But it was cool to see. It really was interesting. Um, not really my thing per se, but I did enjoy the uh, you know, how it's sort of, you know, I'm very much interested in <coughs> commercial interior design, theme parks, shopping malls, and those kind of artificial worlds that are created is definitely something that I am very interested in. So cruise ships have that aspect. It's also interesting how it's sort of a, a, a portable city, a moving city, right? Um, <clears throat> yeah, and like the central area is kind of like, yeah, there's like a sh- shopping mall. The one we went to, too, also had that. <coughs> but I think that um, it also brings to mind, of course, the potential for the metaverse, which I know is this, has become this kind of, it's very puzzling because you may remember it was back 10 years ago that I was into VR and actually, through a strange series of events, actually went out and had a booth at the very first consumer VR conference out in uh, Mountain View, California at the Computer History Museum. And um, I had a concept of a VR business called Night Station about creating a train system inside the metaverse. But of course, at that time, there was no metaverse, but we were thinking it was going to come eventually. Ten years later, still has not arrived. And uh, yeah, it's been a, and of course, most in the news has been uh, Facebook, the company that bought Oculus from the guy Palmer Lucky who created it and changed the name of their company to Meta because they wanted to create the Metaverse. And yet then years passed and they uh, utterly apparently failed not to create the Metaverse but blew billions of dollars on the project with almost nothing to show for it than uh, a very simple uh, virtual meeting space system which was not at all impressive. <clears throat> so what is the metaverse? And why has it been badmouthed? And, uh, like, that's the whole thing. People, the, the news kept saying, no one wants the metaverse. The metaverse sucks. Facebook is ruining their business by trying to become a metaverse. This is, like, to me, this is bizarre and very strange. And it feels conspir- like a conspiracy at some level. Um, the metaverse is a 3D 3D computer world, which, of course, there are many in video games where you can go through the world, but it's not just a video game. It's a a collective space. It is essentially like the Internet, 
right? But instead of being a series of flat screens and pages, it is one big contiguous three-dimensional world. That's the metaverse. And back in 2003, a company called Linden Labs created a Second Life, which was the first big <coughs> metaverse experiment <coughs> that, uh, of course, I joined up the year after that in 2004, accidentally burned down Neverland and... That kind of soured me on a little bit. I was about to buy land, and then they banned me for two weeks for burning down Neverland, and I had no idea I was doing it. <coughs> you know, that story is, of course, told many times. It it was essentially um, little flames that you could put on the ground from a party, and I kept duplicating them from my inventory onto the ground. Little did I know that each flame I put down on the ground increased the burden on the server and eventually crashed the whole server, destroying the whole world of, you know, Peter Pan's Neverland. And the, the woman that created it was sent me a message, you are such a terrible person, how dare you? I'm like, I, I, I thought I was just being nice, like decorating the place with little cool little flames from a party. I had no, I had no idea what I was doing. I know what they say, ignorance of the law is no uh, excuse. But, but this, this place was essentially user... You, people could buy plots of land and then build buildings there and stuff, and people could come there. So it really was an early representation of the metaverse. In fact, uh, this guy, Scott Crawford, who's been on the show a few times, he had a, a nightclub in there called Heck, H-E-C-K, and I think it, it was still there as of a couple years ago. I think I, I tried to find it. Um, <clears throat> you know, and there were rudimentary, um, you know, sort of ways to make money and it's just that it was from 2003, so, I mean, like, the graphics and the uh, physics and et cetera were very primitive, right? So we know things have gotten much better now. And uh, so the idea is that you would take – this could be several different ways it goes, right? Somehow that Second Life code was made – some part of it was made open source, and there's this thing called OpenSim – an open source virtual metaverse uh, using that kind of code um, that did not really reach a great de deal of adoption, <coughs> I think partially because it was just so last gen. Um, there's a website called Hypergrid Business that follows the business side of it and uh, using this open source software and it just sort of never seemed to catch on. That, though, of course, was open source like the Internet. Anyone can have their own website, and that could be your website that's not under the control of any big company. Rather than having a page on Facebook, that's completely there at, at the pleasure of Facebook, and they can take it down at any time, you know. So, obviously, it's preferable for the metaverse to be open source, but I always thought that one of the big five tech companies... I never remember the whole list. It's Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, Amazon, and this, what's the other one? Why do I keep forgetting? Amazon, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm missing one, but you know what I'm saying. Apple, Microsoft, <laughs> Facebook. 
Amazon, and then the fifth one is Twitter? No, it's not Twitter. <sighs> yes, Google, how could I forget? Yes, Alphabet is what they're known as now. <coughs> Google, Amazon, Microsoft, Facebook, and Apple, right? Yes, those are the ones. So I thought one of them would make their own metaverse, right? Some Someone on the same model as Second Life where they create the metaverse and the servers and then people buy land and pay rent and pay taxes to the owners of the servers, which would be the company, right? So it would be this – and the idea is that if it was really good, right, it would sort of begin to – become the new internet, which was the promise of the metaverse. Um, then everyone that had a two-dimensional website just made up of images and text would be encouraged to update their website <coughs> to be a three-dimensional space. <coughs> right? So, right? You would create, you know, obviously Amazon would become like a huge shopping mall, you know? Uh, there'd be ways of implementing all sorts of different websites as a three-dimensional space, you know. <coughs> what happened fairly recently in the past couple of years was that the metaverse concept was sort of taken over by um, the blockchain technologies, the NFTs, and, uh, and, you know, the cyber currency kind of stuff. And it seemed almost intertwined was sort of ruining the idea of, of a metaverse by just everything being tied to these uh, cyber currencies and non-fungible tokens and things like that. As I recall, there were a couple startups, and one was called The Sandbox, and there was another one called something else. I forget what it was called. But I remember, like, The Sandbox was like, again, all these things had horrible graphics, and they just, they just ran in your browser, and it's like, uh, welcome to The Sandbox. Um, so you just walked around these like were almost looked like Minecraft, like that kind of voxel kind of thing. And it's like um, this, like you can go in without an account and you can just sort of walk around this world, which got old pretty quick. And they're like, oh, would you like to get an account? And it costs like they were using a cyber currency. It was like, oh, only 27 Ethereum or whatever it was. It turns out it was like $5,000 if you want to play the game. But they, it was an investment, you know, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I decided not to play that game. Uh, $5,000 to play a boring game like that. So I don't know what's been going on. I, I strongly feel that. And then I also feel that um, the uh, – who are these people? <laughs> There's some workmen here that are – what are they doing? I think they're hmm, working on some sort of plumbing issue or something. I don't know. For the people across the street. Or maybe the, there's a problem with the car. Hmm. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I'm witnessing here. They locked themselves out of the car across the street? I don't know. Anyway. You know, and I've played around with smaller self-contained like a metaverse worlds like um Tower Unite is one that I played I've played quite often. It's one island with a large building like a skyscraper and um there's 
a casino, an arcade, a dance club, things like that. There's a roller coaster, right? So it's like one little world, which apparently was originally built from a, a game I never played called Gary's Mod. It was called Gmod Tower. And um, that does operate. People can go in, but each server can only like have 100 people, and there's multiple servers, instances of this world. And... Um, <clears throat> hmm. It is like it is like they're trying to like break into the car, but <laughs> I'm assuming it's uh, from the permission of my neighbors. This is not a car that this is an older car. It's not a car anyone would want to particularly uh, steal. I don't think. <laughs> Looks like it may be from like the early 2000s or something. Uh, anyway, um, but. There's something about these little miniature spaces that are not really that appealing. The idea is if it's a big world and you can explore and do all sorts of things in it and everyone else is in there as well and it's a collective experience, that's where the metaverse becomes important. If you had told me back in 2014 that 10 years later in 2024 there still would be no metaverse, I would have been I would have been like, no. Someone would have to have made it by then, 10 years later, right? I remember um, one, one guy that used to work for Second Life, I think it's, what was his name, Philip Rosedale or something? He, he was creating a thing called um, High Fidelity as a new metaverse, and they actually were demoing it there at that VR conference, but it just looked horrible. Like, the demos were completely unimpressive. It was just completely not interesting at all. And that's, that's never turned into anything as far as I can tell. And it just sort of seems like even in independent companies, no one seems to have appeared that's trying to create a new metaverse like Second Life. Um, and I always thought that, remember the brief streaming gaming system known as Stadia from Google where you could play video games but it'd be running on one of their servers and they're just streaming the game to you and your controller is streaming the commands back to it. I thought that would be a perfect way of creating the metaverse because I always thought that um, the crappy look of browser-based worlds, it's not going to hack it. It needs to be beautiful, rich, and full, the best graphics available. So I thought game streaming technology would be the best way to do that, that Right. There is this there's servers that sort of have the entire world mapped out. And then when you go in, it fires up a server somewhere. And um, right. That's your instance of the world. And it is rendering it. Um, so you could you could view it on any device that can receive streaming video. Right. Now, I understand that there's issues of economy that the scale of it the expense of each server and everything else. So it wouldn't be free. People would have to pay for it. But there'd be many other ways of collecting money, as I said, collecting rent, um, taking a cut of all the sales, etc. It just seems like this is... The, the metaverse seems like it's this gold mine that no one is pursuing. <laughs> None of the big companies are pursuing it. Obviously, Facebook claimed to be pursuing it, but they seem to have come up completely empty. How could a company with billions in resources... Make no progress at all, as, as far as I can tell on it. So this concerns me, essentially, because this is something I've been talking about, is that 
you know, I've been anticipating the um, <clears throat> uh, the rise of the metaverse and how would our project here on Sog Radio be represented? And uh, like last year for the 20th anniversary shows, I, I came up with a really specific vision of what our space would be like. And um, now that um, what are these people? These, 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 first of all, are these locksmiths? They're, they're like having no luck breaking into this car. <laughs> Who are these people? <sighs> anyway, um, since I published the book about one month ago, the new Ansog Radio book, it says broadcasting from inside this book on the cover. So I really feel that considering this is such a massive archive that it would make sense that there would be an actual broadcast that's playing clips from the archive and talking about the archive and everything else, right, that it would become sort of like a radio station broadcasting from inside the book. But I always felt that it would be benefit from having a uh, a sense of place, right? Like what, back when we did our night station experiment back 2011-ish, the first night station experiment, this was before the night station VR thing, we were sort of, it was like imaginary broadcasting. We were talking about the imaginary studio we were broadcasting from, right? But it was, uh, you know, just sort of in the imagination. Now, clearly, if there was a metaverse, right, we could have an actual place to go to hang out and to record shows and things like that. And yet, the metaverse has continued to be elusive. So I'm now thinking I want to create at least this small space that we can get together in. There is no metaverse. There has to be some way to do it. I mean, back 10 years ago, I was using that software called Unity to create. I created my demo of the train ride. And uh, <clears throat> at least to build the space, our station, to go into, could use something like that. <coughs> but yesterday, researching this matter, I found uh, Mozilla Hubs, which is uh, essentially small meeting rooms that you could create, or small little worlds, but each one is individual. It's, like it's considered a room, you know, even though some of them are like it's like an island with different buildings and stairways and things. Um, so, and also with those crappy graphics, of course. And it's apparently very similar to the Facebook uh, one, which is uh, Horizon Worlds. Right? I think that's what it's called. But anyway, this is a, supposedly there's a free tier on Mozilla Hubs, and you can create your own little space for free. And what I want to create is, is not anything that complicated. It's just... Uh, I started playing around with it, and it, there's definitely a learning curve, but I think I'll be able to do it eventually. It's not like I have to um, stick to one system. I just need to implement it in one system, and hopefully in a way that can be re-implemented as, uh, as these environments get more and more advanced. I don't know what that was all about. Now these guys are leaving. Did they unlock the car? I don't know. Did someone lock their keys in? I don't know. Anyway... So as I've described before, all I want to create is a 3D space 
of on-sug radio. So what it would be is it's modeled after a space that could be, it would be the size of a smaller store in a mall, a shopping mall, right? A storefront. And it would, the, the front of the store, the doorway would be represented by the book. The book would actually be at the entrance and you'd go into the book, right? So that's how you're going into the book. And then inside the space, which again, it would be fairly small because one of my, <coughs> one of my um, <coughs> uh, guidelines for the creation of this thing is that this space would be something that you could build in the real world. In a you know a typical sized store in a in a shopping mall, right? So what I want to create is a place people could go hang out because I have such cherished memories of going to stores and hanging out, video game stores, video stores, comic book stores, etc. So in this case, it would involve again an image of the book that you can walk into, which seems fairly easy to do. You could do that in the real world, just you know, make it the graphic and then. The doors sort of have the graphic on it, and then you go in. And the interior would, um, since we have this huge archive of shows, almost eleven thousand shows, it would uh, have um, it would be like a like a video store, like Suncoast Video, for example. But it would um, instead of videos, there would be these boxes, but each one would sort of represent a show or a set of shows, right, that you could listen to. And it would be that kind of size of shelves and uh, sections like in a Suncoast video. And uh, the idea is that you could take one of these boxes to, there would be, say, like three of these little rooms. Li- uh, they would be listening rooms or listening booths. And each one would have <coughs> um, a, just like two or four seats you could sit in or maybe sort of a conversation pit style sort of circular couch kind of thing. Probably that's better. And um, it would be uh, the room would be sort of shaped like a, do- a dome, and there'd be video on each surface. Now, this is something you could build in the real world, right? And the idea is that you could br- you could bring the little box into the room and sort of plug it into the wall, and then listen to any of the shows. And additionally, there would be video content that you could um, that you could program in, <coughs> like you know, to watch as you're listening, right? I- environments, train rides being in a forest, etc. It would just be video. And again, this would all be something that could be reproduced in the real world. Right? And so that also gives it a little bit of relation to Night Station, which was the idea of uh, a mall-based dark ride. Right? Those little listening booths where you can go on these journeys through video would be somewhat related to that. And then in addition to that, I I would want to have um something more akin to uh, a um, like a studio where, where people could go and uh, record their shows collectively with each other in this in this space and there'd be like you know it would have all of the things that there would be in the real world so there would be uh, you know there'd be bathroom a bathroom there'd be um, vending machines for food and there would be a few arcade games pinball machines and I think that, like, I have a pretty good idea of how to design this, and I just want to make it as sort of compact as possible to sort of represent the idea. And 
I, I just I love this idea because it feels like um, the right kind of space for our project here. So <laughs> I think I could possibly start to work on making this for using the hubs, but they're saying and I, I have to sort of I've been out of the loop on this kind of thing for a long time. They say you can use this open source program called Blender to create a 3D building or space and then um, import it in there. So I guess it's kind of a, a, a universal format. Um, so it would be in total, it would be uh, <clears throat> it would be completely sort of inside, right? And there would be a little part of the shopping mall. It would start. There'd be a corridor of the shopping mall in which the storefront of Onslaught Radio exists. So you can go outside the store. It would probably be sort of kind of dark and the other stores would be closed. It could just be a small entrance entry space that sort of suggests that you're in a mall. And then it would just be the complete interior space of this um <coughs> of uh, of Onsog Radio with again the store space, the listening the listening booths and the recording studio, the little arcade area with vending machines and that would be it. It would be in the bathrooms and that would be it, you know, pretty simple. So, I may start working on that soon. It's definitely something that's been on my radar because I want to use that as a starting point to create this broadcast, which is a broadcast about Onsug Radio. That is, it's people, or the hosts will be um, referring to the archive, playing clips from the archive, etc. But it would be much better if they can have this space, this place as sort of a, a, a way of thinking about it, anchoring it in your mind, um, that we're being bro- we're broadcast from our studio, you know. And of course, as I'm saying, you could build it in the real world. Currently, it's beyond the scope of, it would be cost way too much to do it. And it's not even a business, obviously, it's non-commercial, but it just has to retain the potential of being built in the real world. That is, there won't be anything in there that is floating in midair or anything that you couldn't do in the real world, right? So I started looking at that. It looks interesting, but it just irks me how crappy the graphics are on all these things. But we'll see. I, we'll see how far I get with this new project. I don't know. Yeah, it's a bit later now. There were some turkeys, wild turkeys, walking down the street. I saw them far down the street. Yeah, we have a few wild turkeys around here in the northern New Jersey suburbs. So I just saw these news uh, updates today about this. um, (coughs) Talk about a turkey. (laughs) This uh, news website called The Messenger. I had never heard of before. But all the headlines are saying, the messenger shuts down. It's supposed to be this brand new web uh, news website that was all exciting that somehow I never heard of. I don't know. I think they're going to try to be centrist as opposed to being left-leaning or right-leaning. I guess that didn't really work out. I'm, I'm actually looking at a capture of the site from earlier this month, or last month, as it is February now. Yeah. I don't know what they were trying to do. 
that didn't work out. Also, um, yeah, it was uh, there's a, there's a card game I used to play called Legends of Runeterra, and um, <clears throat> that's also shutting. Well, I don't know if it's shutting down, but what happens with these games? The <laughs> games have are really very different now. Um, you know, there's games that in the old days you would buy a game on a cartridge, like an Atari cartridge, and once you have it, you own it, and you can play it as long as it works. You can keep playing it <coughs> forever, you know. But then there's games <coughs> as uh, services that all you're downloading as a client program, and then all of the action takes place on their server. When those games shut down, you kind of can never play it again. Um, in some cases, people figure out ways to preserve it, such as that. Remember that game I used to play called uh, Need for Speed World? It shut down, but people figured out how to create like a local mock server so that you could play it. You could continue to play it. It's kind of, That was kind of interesting. But other games become completely inaccessible, and all that's left are sort of the YouTube videos of people playing the game. Uh, Legends of Runeterra, though, is... This is a, a card game, like a collectible card game in the vein of Magic the Gathering or Hearthstone. This was made by the people that make League of Legends. And they have this whole world called Runeterra. And they even had a, a TV show called Arcane that was actually pretty good, an animated show based in that world. So anyway, recently the Legends... I had to kind of stop playing it because there's only so many card games you can play because they greatly demand your time. I mean, I'm still playing three card games now. I play Hearthstone, Magic Arena, and also uh, Marvel Snap. But it's sort of like if you want to keep up with all of the quests and all of the grind, you have to play pretty much like every day. And I guess Legends of Runeterra was just not as good of a game as the other ones. So they're, I guess they laid off a great portion of the staff of the game. And they're going to be uh, like limiting the amount of updates. So it's still online for now, but it's kind of... I don't know if it's quite what they call maintenance mode. Because there was a game... Blizzard had a game called uh, Heroes of the Storm, which was of that same genre as uh, League of Legends. It's, I never really got into that. M MOBA games, massively online, Battle Arena. What was the first... The other, who, um, who made the f first one? Valve made made one which was called uh, Defenders Dota, Defenders of the Ancient or something. Yeah, I never really got good at those games. But Blizzard had a game, and then they put it in maintenance mode where you can still play the game, but they're, they've kind of stopped maintaining it, which is kind of weird because they call it maintenance mode, but... They're maintaining it, but they're not adding any significant new content to it, right? Because a lot of these games, there's endless new content added that keeps you interested in the games. New cards, new expansions, new heroes, etc. Um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, Heroes of the Storm has been in maintenance mode for years now. I, I played that very little. But it's weird, right? It's sort of the like games that... And I suppose a lot of these games could be reverse engineered if anyone cared and could be recreated. Um, I think with these games, much of the 
mechanics are, are known. Uh, so if, like, Hearthstone ever shut down, as I'm sure it will eventually shut down, I'm sure someone could sort of create a, a simulator for it that should do most of what it could do. I, I think most of the back-end mechanics are known and are pretty above board. Um, anyway, there's a brand-new trading card game called Altered. and I was just reading about it today. Apparently their Kickstarter campaign just started a few days ago. These card games, uh, some of them are paper-only, like uh, Lorcana, a Disney-themed uh, card game, is only in, in, in physical paper. So if you're to buy this game, you have to find people to play it with. right? And these games, they come in these random packs, and there's really rare cards, and they're trying to get people to buy tons of cards. Just like Magic the Gathering, which has gotten insane. I love Magic the Gathering. I, I actually was aware of it when it came out in 93 and I got a few packs little did I know some of the cards I got in those packs would now be worth tens of thousands of dollars each had I not gotten rid of them in the later 90s my friend Brian of the three weasels who I'm going to see we're going to have a weasel adventure two days from it now and Saturday um, he had a full collection he had a copy of every card his collection, again, this was in the 90s. Um, at one point, he really desperately needed money. I think he was moving and sold the collection for a pittance. I think he sold it for like $1,500. And, and today, he could have sold, if he had kept that collection, it would have been worth, this is no joke, no exaggeration, no hype. It would have been worth over $4 million. So he's obviously very bitter about that. He had this gold mine, and he just gave it away. I gave my cards away, I think, to Mad Mike, and then he gave them away to someone else in the 90s. I know I had a Mox Pearl, which those are... That would go for a pretty penny today. Let's see. And I had other of the good cards, too. I didn't have a Black Lotus, but... uh, Yeah. Well, Mox Lotus... I don't know. There's some listed here, 2300, 5400, but I think the one I had was probably part of like more of the um It was one of the first ones that came out, so I don't know. There is one for 5500 that may be kind of like the one I had. But anyway, a single little piece of cardboard worth that much money. Yeah. But this altered uh, TCG uh, see, there's a TCG, which is a trading card game, and there's CCG, collectible card game. One you trade, one you collect. I don't know. But anyway, this one's interesting. Um, <clears throat> this is a paper card game. It, it, it's, so, it's so complicated how they have this. So it's a paper card game, so you, <laughs> you buy the cards, <coughs> and they're actual little cardboard cards. But each one has a QR code, and you get this app, and you scan the QR code. And whoever the first person is who scans the QR code now owns, quote-unquote, owns that card, right? So then you that card is added to your virtual collection on an app. But there's no – right now there's no – you can't play it on your phone or on a computer. It's just in this collection. And the idea is that if you own a card, you can then, like – have the company print you additional copies of the card if you lose it or something happens to it. 
and uh, and then you could sell the card to someone else digitally, right? And then the card you have, you still have the physical card, but if you sell it to someone digitally, then you can't order any more copies of it. The new owner can order more copies of it, and then your card is kind of like deactivated, even though you can still play it. The idea is if you go to a tournament, the judges will scan all your cards, <laughs> and if your barcode has already been sold, like it'll go, eh, and you can't use that card in the tournament. <laughs> it's so freaking confusing and insane. I don't know. It's like... They're making it way too complicated. So I'm not going to be participating in that one. Um, but it's interesting, though, because one thing about the game that I, I thought was rather admirable is that this is the altered trading card game, that they decided to... It's the same old thing. We have characters and magic spells, just like Magic the Gathering, whatever. But they've removed combat from the game. It's about exploration, and I really do admire that because I feel that the en- endless obsession on combat in all sorts of games is a little bit, you know, to me it's like just casual promotion of violence. I get it. I get, you know, like chess. It's these two armies fighting each other to the death. But, yeah, if you're making a brand new game, maybe you can decide not to include all the violence. So they, So it's about exploration, not violence, which I think is really cool. I like that part of it, but other, otherwise, I don't. I don't think the. I, I think it's such a sort of a tortured, complex idea. And I saw kind of a tutorial on how to play the game, and it really does not. It doesn't really seem like all these barcodes and QR codes, all these issues, are really particularly necessary. And it's also interesting. The um, there's like six different factions. It's like super derivative of other things. There's, uh, you've seen this over and over again. These factions, there's like the mechanoid faction where they they build technology. There's the, uh, you know, like the the mystics, you know, and, and the nature loving druids and things like that. And then it also has characters from uh, what are now public domain, like fairy tales and stuff, like Alice in Wonderland and Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz, and. It really feels a lot like, uh, I mean, in terms of its style and the character styles, really super derivative of um, the League of Legends world of Runeterra, but also uh, Ruby. Remember Ruby, R-W-B-Y, that, the web cartoon where where it did kind of, uh, it is sort of based on old fairy tales, you know, like Snow White, Little Red Riding Hood, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so it's like, this altered TCG is like super derivative, but it's a kind of a an evolving genre of uh, characters and factions and stuff, but it feels very kind of overdone. Is there nothing new under the sun? I guess not. Oh, here's a word I made up. <laughs> I'm going to put it in my, uh, my White Chalk Revival. Uh, Hav Pincho. <laughs> H-U-V-P-E-E-N-C-H-O, Havpincho. That's a good new word I made up. Havpincho. <laughs> Listen, sometimes you got to make up words. What do you want? What do you want? 
So in other news, as I mentioned, recently I lost my comb. I usually carry comb in my pocket because my hair usually gets very out of control. I need to comb it. And um, I covered this on the show a number of years ago, how just a little pocket comb used to have ace pocket combs, and it all disappeared. The whole company went out of business or whatever, and you can't find them anymore. So at the time, I bought some similar combs, and I know I have more backups, but I couldn't find them. So I went on eBay, and I found one of the original old uh, ace pocket combs, which I believe this package is. I just got this today, so let's see if I can... uh, Open this up and get my uh, a new comb, an old comb. It's still in the sealed package, theoretically, so I don't want to use someone else's comb. It seems kind of grungy to do that. But, wow, this is like really sealed, hermetically sealed, this package. Where's the comb, darn it? Wow, it's like a package within a package within a package. I, I mean, I don't think like a, a hard rubber comb is needs all this padding, but I guess, hey, the more padding, the better, right? What kind of, there's, there's like another sealed cape. Hmm. All right, I think I'm, I'm going to need some scissors or something for this this this, this, this level of the uh, the packaging. Wow. Yes. So now there's a there's a third layer. This is wild. It's like a package within a package within a package. <coughs> wow. This wasn't terribly expensive. I mean, yeah. it's a collector it's a collector's item, I suppose. But I'm going to use it for its purpose. So here we go. And finally, yes. Now it's in a plastic bag within. So this is the fourth layer of packaging. Listen, it's well packed. This is uh... <coughs> oh, it's a beautiful thing. Look at this. And look, it was eighty-two cents. <coughs> when there's a price tag on it, eighty-two cents. It's a beautiful object too. It's I don't know what this looks like. If I had to guess, I'd say this is from the eighties or nineties. Genuine Ace hard rubber pocket comb and it here's what it says on the back there's no substitute for a genuine ace comb see that's what i'm saying that's why i had to buy one (coughs) new old stock genuine ace hard rubber ace is america's favorite brand of combs made of genuine hard rubber for quality and durability this conveniently sized pocket and purse comb is professionally designed for grooming and styling all types of hair I mean, I would hope the comb designers are, they're not just sort of freelance. They're like professionals, you know. All they do is they sit around on their their drafting boards designing new combs. Ace is the official comb of the Associated Master Barbers and Beauticians of America. Ace, a tradition in grooming excellence. Ace Comb Company, Inc., (coughs) a subsidiary of (coughs) Goody Products, Inc., Carney, New Jersey. Wow, that's just two ta- a couple towns over, Carney. Made and printed in the USA. Okay, well, 
<coughs> so you know this is old. They actually made this. And can you imagine them actually being able to make things like this in the United States? That's crazy. But it's a beautiful thing. And, yeah, so the, the price tag says save up to 50%. <coughs> and it was $0.82 cents at the time. <coughs> I don't know if I really can tell the, the time period. I mean, I, I guess I have to open it up. I, I, it feels wrong to open up this, this beautiful package. But I need, I need the actual comb. Um, let's see. Can we do a little search here? When did Ace Comb go out of business? I need a good comb. Ace Comb Company, 2008, be- bemoaning the loss of pocket combs, looking for alternative to old Ace Combs. Hmm. Oh, I guess they must have moved their manufacturing to China at some point. So this is a real, like, original one. Yeah. Hmm. Ace Comb Company, Division of Goody Products, Notice of Termination and Investigation? What? Hmm. I don't know what this is all. I, I just, I'm just trying to find some information about what happened to this company. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> hmm. Yeah. I don't know when this happened, but Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of people are in the same boat as I like when I had this issue. I, I don't know the exact episode I talked about it, but <clears throat> All right, I can't find any information here. <laughs> All right. So let me let me get let me take some pictures of this and then I'll we'll open it up and I'll comb my hair. And this should, I mean, this is, you know, they, they built them to last back then. It wasn't like this piece of crap that's going to, like, you know, fall apart and so quickly. Ace. But Kearney, New Jersey, wow. Goody, let me look that one up. Hold on, I'm going to pause because like, this research is taking forever. All right, so Goody Products, I guess it was sold in 1993, maybe? Yeah. Newell is buying Goody. I guess Goody still exists, but... Hmm. Anyway, I took some pictures, so let's open this up. I, I, I feel like it feels wrong to open this up, but I need it. I need to get at the comb to comb my hair. It was uh, it was like twenty something dollars, and yeah. Oh wow, yeah, this is r- markedly superior to the previous comb I had. Wow, it almost it's like, is it like musical? What's that thing where you can put like wax paper on a comb and it becomes like a harmonica? What was that whole or a kazoo? That's quite a sound, right? All right, now the real test, the combing of the hair. And actually, on the comb, it's black rubber, but in gold writing, it says genuine ace hard rubber. Let's try this out here. Oh, my gosh, this is so much better than my previous comb. Yes. Yes. I'm going to stick it in my pocket right now. This is what I needed. 
<clears throat> and, it, and it's just like there were so many different kinds of these combs. There was a kind that had kind of like two different, like the spacing of the, what do they call the tines? What do we call those little, what do you call those little things, tines? This one has all consistent tines. I didn't want the two different. I didn't know. I, I wouldn't know which one, which side to choose. I, I, I just want a consistent tine, tine width. See what I'm saying? <laughs> What's that kind of sound? <coughs> all right, I'll stick it in my pocket and hopefully it'll, it'll, I won't lose it. I, I wonder what happened. I have no idea what happened to my other cone. Just maybe on the bus it fell out of my pocket. I don't know. It happens. The worst thing that ever fell out of my pocket on the bus was my, uh, my Game Boy Micro with a custom uh, ROM cart with all the old NES games on it. That was rough. <clears throat> oh, here's working at Goody Products. Is this a good place to work? The job was okay. <laughs> what is this saying? I can't read it. <laughs> it was okay. How was it working at Goody? It's okay. Now I can't see the webpage because I have to sign up. Oh. It's, it's so, so annoying. Half the web pages you go to, you can't see the content. Oh, you, you, have to, you have to pay for this news site. You have to sign up. I'm not signing up for this shit. Give it up. Just show me the content, damn it. Anyway, yeah. Goody. Maybe I should look in when I, the last time I talked about this topic. Maybe we can try to find that. I'll go to the book. On Sug Radio, the book. And uh, we'll uh, <clears throat> look up uh, Rubber Comb, maybe. What was that song, Rubber uh, Biscuit? What was that in the Blues Brothers? They're like, what do you want, a rubber biscuit? What does that even mean? Rubber Biscuit. Is it like a scam where they're trying to sell you a real biscuit, but it's just a rubber biscuit? But wouldn't a rubber biscuit generally be... More expensive than a regular biscuit. The first thing that comes up is is, is Blues Brothers. Yeah. Stan Aykroyd as Elwood Blues. But apparently the original version was by <coughs> um, the Chips. Hmm. Few of the lyrics can actually be understood. They are sung in the scat manner. Wow, super, wow, super synchronistic. We're talking about Scat Cat today. The scat is interrupted every few bars for short one-liners, most of which are implicit references to the singer's poverty. And meager diet resulting from such a wish sandwich, <coughs> where one has two slices of bread and wishes for meat in between them, a ricochet biscuit which is supposed to bounce off the wall and into one's mouth, but when it was did not, you go. When it does not, you go hungry. A cold water sandwich, which refers to consuming watermelon, and a Sunday go-to meeting bun, which is a reference to taking a little lady to church. As El- as Blues Brothers Elwood explains. In a live version of the performance, the song closes with the question, What do you want for nothing? A rubber biscuit? What? <clears throat> so it's all types of foods that you would, if you're extremely poor. 
sandwich where you have two slices of bread and you <laughs> wish you had some meat. Ball, ball, ball. You go hungry. Ball, ball, ball. That's about enough of that. That's, that gets a real annoying real quick. <laughs> Get out of here. What do you want? A rubber biscuit? No. But can you buy a rubber biscuit? Now, here, no, let's go on. Uh, let's see if you can buy, like, is this actually a product you can buy now, a rubber biscuit? Uh, let's see. Hmm. <clears throat> no, not a hockey puck. Get out of here. <laughs> it's so funny. They're trying to sell me hockey pucks. They think I'm, like, dumb, and I'm like, what is that thing they use in hockey? A rubber biscuit that they use on the they use on the ice? <laughs> I guess that could be another name for a hockey puck, a rubber biscuit. It's, it is made of rubber, I think, and it is in a biscuit shape. <coughs> Nothing. There's no actual rubber biscuits. How about um, fake fake biscuits? Fake biscuits. Hmm. No. Oh, yeah, here's a... No, there are some rubber biscuits. Yeah, hold on, hold on. We're making progress here. We're making real progress. Okay, here we go. A fake biscuit. Um, Displayfakefoods.com has one for sixteen fifty. Universal Medical has one for... Seven, what, would you, what would a medical supply company need, like, fake rubber biscuits? I mean... I guess displayfakefoods.com is like the, uh, yeah, a biscuit. It's, it's Do they say what it's made out of, though? I don't know. It could be a rubberish. Hmm. Life form biscuit food replica from Universal Medical. <laughs> what else do they have? Fake broiled salmon. <laughs> Fake raw chicken breast. What the hell? Oh, uh, okay, okay. So it's for... Uh, Sort of healthy eating presentations. A, a, a life form taco. That didn't even look like a real taco. $82. Fake rubber macaroni and cheese, $26. Um, yeah, it's probably, it's probably for people doing presentations. Yeah. Kidney beans, $19. Tofu. Tofu replica, only $14. See, usually the, the vegan stuff is more expensive, but replica foods. That's just interesting. There's a lot of. Half of an English muffin, uh, $27. Fake apple juice in a glass, only $19. And this is a good... uh... But how about the other website, Display Fake Foods? This seems to be the big one. (coughs) They're all fake. Hmm. Fake breads, fake cakes. (laughs) They don't say what it's made out of. Is there like an FAQ? Look at this. New fake foods. A, a spilled bottle of Gatorade. You know, you, they used to have those gag gifts where things were spilled. Mm. Need a different specific fake food? They can do custom fake food. Mm. So let's see. <coughs> Fruits, vegetables, breads, cakes. How about soup? Any, any like fake soup? I don't know if they do soup. Car hop, 
car hop trays. That's kind of cool. Like sort of the old uh, drive up car hop. Oh, wow. Yeah, you can get Dr. Pepper, um, a hot dog with fries, and an <coughs> ice cream sundae and m- ketchup and mustard. 200 bucks. <clears throat> Deluxe face fake pizza, 134. Deluxe cheeseburger on a pink bun, only sixty nine fifty. Remember, they had those those colored buns at um, in Bari, Italy. Remember at uh, Flower Burger. This is cool, man. Fake foods. <laughs> is this the new? Uh, sh- is there any? F- do I need to buy some fake foods? Do you think? Should I? Should I buy fake foods? Hmm. Anything interesting? Let's see if they have tofu on this site. <coughs> how, how much is the fake tofu on this site? That seems easy. It's just like a big, yeah. They have the same take f- fake tofu as the other site. <coughs> oh, nutri- it's, it's for nutritional education. Yeah, that's, uh, that makes, like the other one. Let me see if they have soup. They do have fake soup. Oh, wow. Soup, matzo ball soup, forty-four fifty. French onion, tomato soup, chicken noodle soup. Wow. <clears throat> it looks like a, a bowl of liquid, but I guess it's like a <coughs> was like some kind of a resin or something. Yeah. Must be some kind of that. Must be sounds like a fun factory working in the fake food factory. How about ramen? Let's see. Oh, there's no no fake ramen. I know I've seen fake ramen at uh, Japanese restaurants, but that's probably the Japanese fake food site, not this site. Fake seafood. Let's see. Anything interesting here? Hmm. No, nothing. Uh, fake sushi. They do have fake sushi though. Let's see. A fake little piece of wasabi for only four dollars fifty cents. Any other good stuff? Uh, fake lunch and dinner. Oh, do they have a TV TV dinners? That'd be cool. <coughs> they must have a TV dinner, right? No, 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 not really. No. Listen, uh, they don't have they, fake drinks. Okay, this is this is what I want. Fake drinks. Okay. Cappuccino coffee and acrylic glass. A fake bottle of Corona beer. <coughs> A fake martini. <clears throat> fake coffee in a to-go mug. That's kind of cool. <coughs> dirty mar- d- d- dirty olive martini. Hmm. A beer, a fake beer flight, only one oh five. Hmm. Planters punch in a pineapple, fifty five dollars. Okay. Kitty, what are you saying? You want planters punch? No. A wine bottle, Bloody Mary. Sorry, I'm I'm browsing the fake drink section here. A blue lagoon. It's like a blue drink. Mm. Glass ashtray with two faux burning cigars. Wow. 
I mean, there's many uses for this. You know, film production, uh, those those like amusement park dark rides. If you want to have like foods in there, you can use these. You know, in someone's kitchen. Blue dolphin martini in acrylic glass, only thirty dollars. I mean, the prices are not that outrageous. A Moscow Mule, sixty-one bucks though. How about a margarita in a cactus glass with a fake lime wedge on the top? <clears throat> Acrylic tomato juice in a glass. Why am I so fascinated by this? I don't know. And a spicy margarita. <clears throat> Is there anything good else good here? Fake hot dogs, maybe? I mean... They have like, but would they have fake vegan hot dogs, right? That's what I'm, I'm hoping. Look at this. A hot dog on the bun, $111? Uh, maybe hot dogs. But then there's another hot dog with mustard, and it's only $19. Like, how do they determine the price on these things? It's like wildly out of you know, like different prices. <clears throat> yeah. Fake breads. Yeah. Oh, that looks like that round roll looks really good if it was real, but it's fake. Yeah. Anyway, that's what we have. Let's see if I can find uh, where I may have uh, talked about the comb. Hmm. No hits. All right. Let's try that. What the heck happened there? Whoa. Is there a flaw in this? There's this. Maybe this isn't the final. Page 30 has an issue? No. I, 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 no. What copy? I, I have to pause. I have to see what's going on here. Yeah, I must have been looking at a, an older version because the regular version's fine. <sighs> yeah. So I see here, Overnightscape 1643, Utah video, October 18th, 2019. There's a comb update. Hmm. So that maybe it was yeah, it was back before the pandemic, the whole comb, comb issue, yeah. Yeah, maybe it was around. It does feel like I felt like it was a little earlier than that, but let me see. Any other? The comb broke. Okay, so I guess my previous comb broke. This is also uh, October twenty nineteen. Hmm. Is that is that it? Is that all I talked about? It. That must have been it, though, right? That must have been the comb issue. I would think. I think I had an ace comb, and then it broke, and then I found out I couldn't get any more because they were. But why didn't I get a new old stock back then? Why did I settle for the Amazon crap? Good question. Is it even a good question? It could It could be. Could be. <laughs> See? Hong Kong Fui. We should hear that right now because that relates to what we're going to be talking about later. Is this it? Hmm. 74. Who is this superhero? Sarge? No. Rosemary, the telephone operator? No. Henry, the mild-mannered janitor? Could be. Number one super guy, Hong Kong Booey, quicker than the human eye. He's got style of groovy style and a bop that just won't stop. When 
Yeah, Hong Kong Fui, very popular cartoon. Remember um, back in uh, 2007 with that Anything But Monday show, Mad Mike and, and me, we bought each other presents. He bought me, at the time, the brand new iPod video. I got him <coughs> Hong Kong Fui action figure. But if he kept it, that's probably worth a bunch now, right? A 2007 model Hong Kong Fui action figure? Which one? I think it was this one, yeah. Look, it's worth like 100 bucks now. See? I knew it was a good investment. <laughs> well, I don't know if it was really worth $100. <coughs> Someone's selling it for 35 but... <laughs> I wonder if he still has it. They even have a, the Funko Pop of Hong Kong Fui. costs $190. Jeez. Listen, nothing's cheap anymore. Even Hong Kong Fui dolls are not cheap anymore. Yeah, I think this may be the one I got him. With the little cat. Now, I'm assuming... What is it all about? Like, uh, there was a show called Kung Fu that was very popular back then. So maybe they're thinking Kung Fui. Because, you know, like when someone's like, ah, whatever, ah, Fui. Joe E. Ross was in this show? Who did he play? He, he, he played uh, Tootie on uh, Car 54. Where are you, right? It's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. He really was in Hong Kong Fui? Who did he play? He played the Sarge. Wow. Wow. All right. This guy, what? A, Joe E. Oh, he died in 82. Yeah, because he has, I, I, you know, I don't really remember him being around like, yeah. Joe E. Ross. Anyway. Yeah, probably. So like, ah, fooey. People don't really say that word anymore. Ah, fooey. Ah, screw it. Ah, fooey. So instead of Kung Fu, it became Hong Kong Fui. Um, <coughs> obviously, it doesn't even need to be said. There's certain sensitivities in, in today's youth that, or today's people that would prevent a show like that from being made today. But, you know, hey, it was, it was, it was just meant to be fun. A cartoon dog that was like an idiot that did Kung Fu, okay? It doesn't need to be this big, heavy thing. I mean, really, come on. <clears throat> Let's see what they say. Uh, do, 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 do. Ooh, ooh. Mm. 16 episodes with 31 sub-episodes. Wow, there's, wow, there's really, there wasn't really that much of Hong Kong Fooey. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, that was Scatman Crothers, of course, doing the voice of Hong Kong Fooey. And he, of course, is the subject of today's... Uh, show title, which of course is called The Other, The Other Scat Cat. And uh, what you see on the cover there is when I was researching The Skatebirds, which is a, a TV show. Is it, could we have The Skatebirds, like opening theme? Yeah, it was like uh, people, like full-sized, people wearing full-sized costumes, like in H.R. Puff and stuff, or Banana Splits, but this was all the way in 77, kind of the end of that style of thing. Though I know who mentioned it on uh, 
like Yo Gabba Gabba was a later show. I don't know what time period that was in, but that was sort of a similar. <clears throat> they sort of re- brought that concept. I guess that concept's never completely gone away. I got you something. Get out of here with these stupid ads. Ska- it's skateboard time, and here come the skateboards. Knock knock. Scooters. Set. And scat cat. Who's not a bird, actually? I remember watching. See, I remember watching Mystery Island, so I must have must have watched Skatebirds. That's where they took the original robot from Lost in Space and completely revamped it, destroying the original, which is so sad. The pelican guy, the woodpecker, the penguin, and the cat. So Scatman Crothers is not. What's the technical name of that show? I'm, I was trying to say I don't think a Scatman Crothers in the costume. He just does the voice, you know. Is it called The Skatebirds? Whoa. What the hell is that? I don't even know what that is. Uh, yeah, so I was kind of researching that. The Skatebirds. That's what it is. The Skatebirds. Okay. But I guess the cat is not a bird, obviously, but he's he chases them. But it doesn't seem to be any kind of a true threat. But he just chases them around. I guess because bir- cats traditionally kill birds. But penguins, woodpeckers, and pelicans. I don't know if cats would normally go after them, but I think I'm reading too much into this. Anyway, it's a, it's a brown cat outfit with a, uh, an orange and red shirt with yellow buttons. And when I was researching it, I found um, a cover of this. Te- I have it in my hand right here, television. So what used to, So for those of you that are younger and don't know this, when you wanted to watch TV, right, before cable. And I know at one point on cable they had that channel showing all the listings, but that was always kind of a drag because you had to wait like 10 minutes before your channel came up. I don't know if they even still have that. (laughs) They might still have that. But anyway, (coughs) before that there was no way of knowing what was on other than flipping through the channel. So you'd get generally TV Guide was this magazine that everyone that I knew subscribed to. Everyone had TV Guide. A smaller sized uh, magazine every week, and it would show you for your local area all of the over the air television channels and everything that was on at every time slot. Super, super important to plan your television day and night. But not to be outdone, the local newspapers decided they would print, you know, they want to sell their Sunday paper, they would print their own little mini magazines to uh, compete with TV Guide. And hey, if, if that would be one more reason to get the Sunday paper, right? So this is a, an example of that. It's a little, small publication, um, television from the St. Louis Post Dispatch, December twenty fifth to thirty first, nineteen seventy seven. And the reason I bought it is because the cover image of Scat Cat from, from the Skatebirds. And the reason there are there is another Scat Cat which we'll we'll get to. Um, 
this is such a unique image of this character because he's clearly in a bamboo grove and he's kind of like it's almost like he's holding he's almost like pushing apart two bamboo stalks and he looks it looks incredibly threatening uh, the character he i guess he's kind of a villain but it just looks like he is just sort of threatening the viewer it's such a beautiful picture it's just it's, it's an insane image from the 70s and this is the actual printed it was printed in 1977 um this is quite a little publication so we need to t- we're going to take a look at this but um I want to see if we can find a, an example of Scat Cat talking, because that's that's kind of what we need at this point. So we're going to do Skatebirds episode. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, let me see. I thought I had Skatebirds full episodes. Hmm. I didn't prepare. I, I do need to find, like... Uh, the character talking. Mm. This may be. Let's... All right, this one's good. This is a random segment. So... What you doing, knock knock? Oh, nothing. Just fooling around, Scooter. Hey, as long as you're not using them, how about lending Scooter and me your bat and ball? Oh, I was just about to play with them, Satch. And we'll borrow your basketball, okay? No, I'm going to use it. I thought you were going to play with your bat and ball. Well, maybe I'll change my mind. How about giving us a loan of your tennis racket? Oh, no. That's my very favorite thing. Boy, you're really selfish. I thought a skatebird shared everything. Well, they're mine. And I don't have to share them with anybody. Wrong, knucklehead. Here he is. Here's Scat Cat. Except Scat Cat. You ain't just a diamond, old buddy. Now I'll show you how the big cat shares. I'll take this and this and this and this. And you get to keep that empty box. Any objections? Oh, oh uh, no, sir, Scat Cat. I love empty boxes. That's good, because Scat Cat is the only one around here who don't have to share. There's like a weird giant bird or something. What happened, Scat Cat? I decided not to be too selfish, so me and Baby Bird did some sharing. Folks will think an awful lot of a guy who shares before he's got a... Some sort of, like, horrific blue tree character. (laughs) You get the idea. Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, I wanted to look at the other Scat Cat. So So this is the weird thing. Scatman Crothers played another character earlier in uh, Disney's The Aristocats, right? Let's see if I can find anything. Scat Cat or The Aristocats. I think that may have been the first. Was that the first Disney movie where they they didn't have an inking department? They transferred the pencils to uh, the cell sheets directly using, like, photocopy technology? Scat Cat. Yeah. Was originally it was written for Louis Anderson, Louis Armstrong, not Lo, not Louis Anderson. He wasn't around yet. But anyway, Louis Armstrong, who did play the the orangutan in um, the Jungle Book, but 
I guess Louis Armstrong was not available, so they got Scatman Crothers, and they named the character Scat Cat. Here we go. Meet Scat Cat. Here's, here, here's a scene. It's late, and the kids are bushed. I'll bet we walked a hundred miles. I'll bet it's more Cool look of animation, yeah. It has that kind of, like, rough rough edge look, you know. There's a Zsa Zsa Gabor. Thomas O'Malley, the alley cat. See, I remember that. I think we saw this in the theaters. Well, there it is. Probably not when it first came out. My own penthouse pad. It's not exactly the Ritz, but it's peaceful and quiet. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Sounds like Scat Cat and his gang have dropped by. So it's just weird that they just sort of like gave gave this other cartoon, not really a cartoonish character, the same name as another cartoon character. Because the guy's named Scatman Crothers, he's playing a cat, so he's Scat Cat. Uh huh. Yeah, they're old buddies and they're they're real swingers. Swingers? What is a swinger? You know, uh, not exactly your type, Duchess, and uh, mm. maybe. I guess he doesn't mean. In the oh, dirty way. I would like to see your pad and meet your scat cat. Well, okay. Hey, scat cat, blow some of that sweet stuff my way. Oh, there's that other cat, yeah. That weird hippie-looking cat. <laughs> well, looky here. Big man O'Malley's back in his alley. Swing on down here, daddy. Please. Uh-oh. There's one of the Siamese cats that... In similar vein to Hong Kong Fui, when they show this movie now, they have to put a warning that it has cultural insensitivities because of the Siamese cats. We are Siamese, if you please. We are Siamese, if you don't please. Yeah. That guy. This is the greatest cat. So what was that other character? Um, remember there was these... How do you describe this? There was this toy craze known as Sum Sum. T-S-U-M, T-S-U-M. Yeah. And I remember being at the Disney store years ago. And yes, this is the one. This is the exact one. Um, it's this. It's a, a yellow cat with these purple like circular eyeglass uh, sunglasses on and it's it was really kind of cool looking I, I forget the name of the character though that i was thinking of buying it but then i i'm like no i don't need that that's a piece of crap uh hmm let's see so f- for 70 dollars now we can get five Tsum Tsums. <coughs> then they also have like a Tsum Tsum video game uh, hold on, hold on. I'm trying to figure this out. So for seventy dollars, you get Marie, Berlioz, Toulouse. Oh, those are the those are the child cats, right? The kittens. Thomas O'Malley, and then Hit Cat. Hit Cat. That's the name of it. Hit Cat. Hit Cat. That's a cool looking little toy. Hold on. Let me see if I can find more Hit Cat. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, here's the Sum Sum. You can get it only for fourteen dollars. Gee, that's that's better. Twelve dollars. Hey, I like that even better. Listen, it's it's getting cheaper and cheaper. Kinder Surprise Aristocats, nineteen eighty nine. Oh, that that's in those little chocolate eggs. 
Yeah, not too much hit cat stuff though. One of the more obscure, um, one of the more obscure Disney characters, hit cat. But it just looks cool with the purple glasses, you know. Anyway, so somehow I guess they figured he did a great job in the Aristocats, so they'll just bring him into this other show years later, and just uh, he's also going to be called he's the other Scat Cat. Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes some kind of sense. Does it not? Hello, Walt. Oh, I'm delighted to meet you, Mrs. Cat's Cat. Likewise, Duchess. You're too much. Oh, you are charming. And your music is so... so There's Hit Cat playing the guitar. Exciting. It isn't Beethoven, Mama, but it sure bounces. <laughs> Say, this kid cat knows where it's at. And of course, uh, Scatman Crothers also was in The Shining. Of course, he he also had psychic powers. Hey, babe, you want to go to a show tonight? Sorry. He had he had psychic powers like little Danny. Remember this? Let's see if we can find the scene. So here's the scene where he's like in bed and he's receiving the psychic signal from Danny that there's like a shit, shit ton of ghosts in that hotel, and his father's going nuts. He's about to go full on. Here's Johnny. Wait, does he talk here at all or no? Well, oh, there's the UPS man outside. He's getting a psychic signal. The Shining was was sort of a term, a slang term for psychic abilities, I, I believe. Here he is talking about being in the Shining. Did you find working with this little guy, Danny Lloyd, was it enjoyable? Was it? It was beautiful, just like my son. What? If you see tears, there will be tears of joy. Wow. Because I thank the Lord I'll be here. I was able to work with such beautiful people. Wow, Shelley Duvall wouldn't say that. Never forget this. Look, he's like crying, thinking about working on The Shining. Jeez, you know, Shelley Duvall was like mentally traumatized by by Stanley Kubrick on that movie. There's so yeah, that is a wild movie. Anyway, yeah. And of course, last time on last episode, we we discussed Scatman Crothers as the uh, as the jukebox, which we can hear a little bit of because I guess yeah, we didn't hear that last time, right? Let's see. A jukebox. I'm a jukebox. <laughs> Where is that? I'm a jukebox. Mm-hmm. No, no. Where'd it go? Why have I lost all my links? I don't know. Let's, let's see. So, if you didn't hear last episode, this movie Rock Odyssey was was made around '82, was shelved. They finished it in 87, showed it once at an animation festival in Los Angeles, and then promptly buried it again, never to show it again in the U.S. Made it available for international TV, was shown in Spain, the Philippines, and possibly Britain over the years. And only recently have really good copies surfaced, even though it still doesn't look good. It's a full English copy. Bizarre, bizarre movie. This is on Internet Archive. It's like, it says Rock Odyssey... And in parentheses, lost ABC special, 1987, close parentheses.
place commercial here. She's scatting. Hi. Hi. I'm a jukebox. Hi. You can see I love music. Hi, jukebox. That's my game. I play them all. I'm going to be the host of this musical odyssey. So hang on to your video screen. Sit back and relax, because I'm going to give you the facts. I like that phrase, hang on to your video screens. I'm going to put that in my poetry notes here. Along with Hove Pincho, hang on to your video screens. Kind of like, hang on to your ego. Right. The previous version of, I know there's an answer. Beach Boys? Yes. <laughs> okay, okay. And here's an actual cat. Mr. Mojo Fuzzo, the cat. Hey, kitty. Kitty? It's not quite that time yet, kitty. We have to wait a little while for dinner time, okay? Kitty? Anyway, let's take a look at this magazine here. <clears throat> So on the back of the magazine, uh, this is the television with Scat Cat on the cover. <coughs> it could only be at Tantar A, where the entire family can enjoy a fun-filled holiday season, fantastic indoor and outdoor recreation, planned activities for all age groups, gourmet dining, dancing, and live entertainment will make your holiday with us one the entire family will remember. Tantar A Resort on the Lake of the Ozarks. Call Miss Judy Jones at extension 6805 for more information about our holiday activities. Osage Beach, Missouri. Oh, they do give you the phone number. Then you you go to extension 6805 and talk to Miss Judy Jones. It's kind of cool. They give you an actual person to talk to. But it's using like an Asian font. Tantare. I wonder if that still exists. I don't know. Let's see what's going on in this magazine. I've got to check this out. Yeah. <clears throat> see what's on TV. And there's like an article about like video piracy in here. Let's see. The TV highlights. <clears throat> Plastic slip covers for your couches. I guess people used to do that. They used to cover the couch in plastic. Let's see. So the oh, this is it starts Christmas Day. <coughs> the very first listing. Five forty-five a.m. on Channel Four, devotional news. Let's go. Let's go forward here. Anything interesting? Six o'clock on Channel Five. Snow White, Pinocchio, Bambi, and more on Disney. Wow. On Channel 2, Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew Mysteries. That was a good show. I used to watch that. Um, Lawrence Welk. Oh, God, at 6 o'clock, you had to choose between the Snow White Pinocchio Bambi on Disney, 60 Minutes, Hardy Boys, Lawrence Welk, or Turning Point. Wow, a lot of good TV back then. Uh, Let's see. This is Christmas night, though. at 8 o'clock on Sunday, of course, you have All in the Family. Boy, the way Glenn Miller played. And look, at 10 o'clock, 
Monty Python Flying Circus. Wasn't it Monty Python's Flying Circus? At 2 a.m., you can watch Reverend Cleophus Robinson. Sounds like a lot of fun there. Uh, Let's see. And here's a picture. Anna Alicia Ortiz is a featured player in the Ryan's Hope Continuing Drama on KTVI, 11.30 a.m., Monday through Friday. That was a soap opera, right? Ryan's Hope. What was he hoping for? Here we go. TV notes and gossip. March 5th is the date set for NBC TV's Audience Participation Special, the National Love, Sex, and Marriage Test. The title alone most likely will prove quite upsetting to a large number of viewers if our mail is any indication. The network said the program will enable home viewers to rate themselves in the most common male-female relationships, love, expectations, bickering, communications, freedom, and marriage contracts. Wow, people have really got bent out of shape about that one. Julie Andrews has been signed to perform a special musical number on ABC's Silver Anniversary Celebration. Loose Change. uh, Wait, wasn't that that movie about (laughs) 9-11? Wait, this is before 9-11. Loose Change, a six-hour novel for television, is slated for later this season. It deals with the impact of the tumultuous 1960s on the lives of three women in the 1970s. Wow. I wonder if that was ever made. I could look it up, but... We don't need to look everything up. Steam King Company. Quality carpet cleaning. All right, so like Monday night, let's see. Prime time. Channel 5 movie, Christmas Miracle in Caulfield, USA. (coughs) Channel 4, we have Maud, of course. That was a good show. B. Arthur. Hmm. Channel 11, To Tell the Truth. Was that like a game show? 8.30, 8.30, The Betty White Show. This week, house guests for two weeks. Uh-oh. At 9, you could watch Joker's Wild, that 70s version of Joker's Wild. That was a great show. Joker, Joker, ooh. And you got Satan. Like, Satan comes up, and then you lose all your money. <laughs> Star Trek at 10.30, The Omega Glory. Good repeat there. <coughs> and here's another little photo. Daryl Anderson portrays the photographer Animal. And Lou Grant. <laughs> What's his name? Animal? Who, who came first? Him or the, the, the puppet in the Electric Mayhem? I don't know. 9 p.m. Tuesdays on KMOX-TV. I don't know if I ever really watched Lou Grant that much. Was that a spinoff from Mary Tyler Moore? With Ed Asner? Mr. Asner, here's your new photographer, Animal. Hey, man, I'm going to take some pictures, all right? Yeah, baby. <coughs> Oh, wow. Two-page ad for, centerfold ad for Dairy Queen. (coughs) It takes two to DQ. And look at that. The original Dairy Queen logo. What a thing of beauty. And they changed it, right? What's the current Dairy Queen logo? I mean, these companies, at least like, uh, you know, um, Pizza Hut, they had an incredible logo, and then they trashed it, and they finally went back to it. I wonder if Dairy Queen's latest logo was like a monstrosity. Because uh, I've seen, there are still some Dairy Queens around. Let's see, what, if you go to the website, what's their logo? Oh my God, what a disaster. I mean, it still has that kind of eye, the eye shape, but it's just a big DQ with these freaking a blue and a, 
a yellow swoosh. Listen, swooshes have been out for a while. I think they even did that with Burger King, adding those random swooshes. <coughs> Dairy Queen needs to go back to this original logo, that beautiful mid-century sans serif. Oh, please. It takes two, four, or six to save and DQ with these valuable coupons. You'll not only enjoy the savings, you'll also enjoy our high-quality, tasty food products. Coca-Cola, it's the real thing. <coughs> so let's see what the prices were back then. <coughs> Let's see, quarter pound big brazier beef burgers, two for 99 cents. Fish sandwiches, two for 99 cents. The DQ banana split, two for 99 cents. And junior burgers, 100% beef, three for 99 cents. Good through January 1st, 1978. Wait a minute, this just came out. Oh, it came out the week before, so you have one week. People are busy during Christmas week. Let's see. So what was not, how much? Let's just let's go to the uh, inf- like how much was ninety nine cents in nineteen seventy seven? Let's see. I still feel like it's cheaper than it was now, even considering, you know, inflation. Let's see. So ninety nine cents in uh, December nineteen seventy seven. Let's see. <clears throat> so that's four dollars and eighty nine cents. Now, can you get two big quarter pounders for like two for five dollars? I don't think you can get that anymore. Maybe you can. I don't know. Oh, look! G- just arrived from Gimbel's, one of New York's finest department stores. What Gimbel's is still around? Wow! In seventy seven, Gimbel's, of course, was the competing. I believe it was a competing uh, department store for Macy's in uh, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, that classic movie. I don't know if that's still relevant to people anymore. Was that Natalie Wood in that movie, though? I think it may have been, but we don't need to look everything up. But anyway, uh, yeah, Gimbel's, the building in New York City in Herald Square, there on 34th Street, or actually 32nd Street, uh, eventually became a, a, a mall known as A&S Plaza, and then eventually Man- uh, Manhattan Mall. I used to go there a lot, the glory days of uh, A&S Plaza. And that food court at the top level that took like half an hour to get to from street level. Ooh, policewoman. An episode of Policewoman. What's this? Policewoman. Sorry. Let's see what else. Nine o'clock Wednesday. Policewoman. Ambition. The episode's known as Ambition. Here's some more news here. Down Provo Way. Donnie and Marie Osmond are just home folks now. Commuting back and forth to work, just like anyone else in the little town of Provo, Utah. Of course, there. W- didn't we just mention Utah in that episode, Utah video? See? Synchronicity. Of course, their work differs from most of the Provoans. And it is for that reason they found it necessary to construct a building around their jobs. The performing Osmond children are the central figures in the family's 77,000 square foot complex that cost $2.5 million dollars. It will also be used for movies and recordings. An Osmond compound. There's this big article here. Peace comes to actors who found how to blend two ways of life. We'll skip that one. And look at this. Here's, here's another photo. Kim Cattrall, later famous for uh, Sex in the City, right, will be featured in What Really Happened to the Class of 65 at 9 p.m. on KSD-TV. Uh, very young Kim Cattrall there. 
Follow the Blues, Battling the Atlanta Flames. I think that was hockey, right? Oh, wow. This is super synchronistic. I was just talking about Love Boat on last episode, right? Did I, I did talk about Love Boat, right? I couldn't really remember if I talked about the Love Boat or not. Mm-hmm. Hold on, let me see. I'm looking at my show notes. Yes, I did talk about the Love Boat. So here's, here's another reference to the Love Boat, which look, must have just come out because this is 77, the first year. Oh, these are letter, le- letters, letters to television. Letters intended for this column should be addressed to television editor, TV magazine, Post-Dispatch, St. Louis, Missouri, 63101. So here is a, a letter, a very extensive letter from, uh, from Well Pleased. I think Love Boat is a great show, but it is interrupted with so many commercials. How come this happens? Some of the ads are really stupid. Oh, this is... Oh, okay. Sorry. That was that was from JTJ, not from Well Pleased. And their answer was, That's what you get for making Love Boat the number one new series this season. And that is what the Nielsen, Nielsen ratings is all about. Advertisers want to get their messages on hit shows, and quite a few will pay the high prices to be represented there. The shows that don't bring in enough revenue because they lack large audiences are the ones that are canceled. The larger the audience, the more potential customers the advertiser reaches for his dollar. To state it mathematically, if a sponsor spends $50,000 and reaches 3.5 million viewers, it costs him $1 for every 70 viewers. If he spends $100,000 and reaches 35 million, he gets 350 viewers for each $1 invested. Great. (laughs) This person didn't understand why there's so many commercials. Here's another letter. I must say that the Bette Midler special was in very poor taste. If it had been shown at all, it could have been shown at a later hour. Young children needn't be subjected to the disgusting and ignorant humor that was presented to them in this quote-unquote special. I am a teenager, and I think it was in poor taste to present a program as unimportant and and irrelevant as this. I sincerely hope it never occurs again. Jeez. What What did Bette Midler do? These people are angry. The first two letters, they're very angry. Here's another letter. I just want to thank NBC TV for the Mac Davis I Believe in Christmas special. Mac Davis. I remember he was really big back then. He's completely vanished from the face of the earth at this point. I enjoyed it very much. They should produce more shows like that instead of some of the trash they have on now. <laughs> wow. These people, they're so angry. I guess they're, they're in uh, Missouri. They're so angry. Mac Davis. Mac Davis is good. The other stuff is trash. Yes. <laughs> Any more angry let- letters to the editor? I have just finished watching It Happened One Christmas with Marlo Thomas and Wayne Rogers. I would like to say it rates with the best shows I have ever seen. It really moved me and gave me a little more faith in television. <coughs> Somewhat positive, but they had lost faith with all the trash that was on. I would like to express my sincere appreciation to ABC TV for their special, The Carpenters at Christmas. The Carpenters are great, and who couldn't sit and listen to Karen sing all evening? True, she was a great singer. What happened to that movie with Barbies and it was banned and that whole thing? Um, I think I have just finished watching the worst special I have ever seen. 
Beatles Forever was supposed to be a tribute to the Beatles, not a disgrace. How they ever got Anthony Newley, Paul Williams, Mel Tillis, and all the rest to sing Beatles songs, I'll never know. It's like getting Led Zeppelin to sing Dar's Day songs. Beatles Forever was the pits. <laughs> Newley, though. Can we, is, can we, I got I to gotta see this one. Let's see. Beatles Forever. Is this, is this online or is it, is it, is it, is it considered lost media? I love, I love that Anthony Newley. Beatles Forever TV special. TV special. <laughs> Anthony Newley, 1970. Here it is, the whole show. Is it that bad? Oh, this is this is the guy that has all the Newley stuff online. Yeah, this is like the Newley expert. Of the Beatles. Here's Tony Randall. The Beatles Forever. Here he is. Wait, Tony Randall and Anthony Newley. Was Anthony Newley like the co-host? Or I just saw him. What happened? Something. Tony Randall is singing. Oh, I get by with a little help from my friend. I'm gonna try with a little help from my friend. He just gets by with a little help. There's Dooley. Me, I get high with a little help from my friend. Is that Paul Williams? Is that Mel Tillis? Bernadette Peters. All right, this is pretty bad. <laughs> I agree with this letter. I have to watch the whole thing, though. Yeah, Mel Tillis, Paul Williams, yeah. Wow. See? Ask and you shall receive here in the future. An obscure TV special from 1977. Here it is on the computer, the computer device. Some more more angry letters to the editor here. Surely one of the stations could carry an exercise program. I think there are a lot of people who would like to see Jack LaLanne return. Is there any chance he might return? That, of course, would be up to LaLanne and, and the television station. You might call the stations and ask, and this would include Channel 9, the non-commercial public television station. Yeah, Jack LaLanne was like this <coughs> exercise dude, and I guess he retired, and then people were upset because they needed to do exercise. Oh, look, here it is, Quincy. Robert Ito left, and Jack Klugman are partners in crime, are partners in crime solving in Quincy at 9 p.m. Friday on KSD-TV. Yeah, a bit of a synchronicity because I'm... I see paused on the screen Tony Randall. Here's Jack Klugman, and they, of course, starred together in the TV version of The Odd Couple. <clears throat> what else do we have here? There's Joanne Woodward and Lawrence Olivier, star in Come Back Little Sheba, 8 p.m., Saturday on KSD TV. <clears throat> and where is that article? Yeah, this is the... Uh, the last page here. Home video disc recorders pose threat to TV broadcast industry. Now, when I first saw this, video disc recorders? Maybe they're confusing tape and discs. I know later on we had rewritable DVDs, but that was a bit later than 77. This is by Elliot Wald. Copyright 1977, Chicago Sun-Times. <coughs> here we go. What, so let's see what they're saying about this. 
we know everyone's always so uptight about piracy. Remember the whole Napster thing? That was a long time ago, too. Technology is about to take us on another roller coaster ride. One that will find us looking back on the television of 1977 with the same fond glow that we get from seeing a hand-cranked Victrola in an antique store. Well, that's what I'm doing. I'm looking back at 77 television, exactly like Elliot Wall just said. Within a few years, our homes will be equipped with video recording devices as routinely as they are now with stereo gear, and we will think nothing of, a, of passing politely on Hawaii Five-O and Barnaby Jones for a homemade showing of Gone with the Wind for a cost ever so slightly above that of a phonograph record video discs will bring us custom produced tv specials kitty let's start at the top first there was live television <coughs> live shows were preserved by actually shooting film of a tv monitor as might be expected these reproductions called kinescopes were about as clear as a photostat of a polaroid then came film filmed programs, many old films were allowed to literally fall apart from disuse. Enter videotape. Live TV died and film is slowly being replaced. Tape is cheaper and easier to edit and it's cheaply reproduced. It makes producers and TV executives very happy, but that street runs both ways. Videotape can also record programs at home for later play and that is making the producers and execs very sad. With a home video recorder like the booming Sony Betamax system. Yes, it was booming then, but of course VHS won. A viewer can watch one program and record another. Imagine how many people will watch a rerun of Star Wars in 1980 if 10 million viewers own videocassette recorders. Imagine how many people will watch Carter Country if they can watch their own cassette of Star Wars. See the problem? At least two production companies do. MCA Universal and Walt Disney Studios are suing Sony in an attempt to get it to stop making Betamaxes. They are even including in the lawsuit a single Betamax owner, chosen at random in an attempt to get the courts to enjoin individuals from taping and rebroadcasting shows. Can you imagine you're sitting at home and these like federal agents come to your door? You've been randomly selected as a Betamax owner to be sued by these huge industrial uh, concerns. Who was that person? Do we, can we find that out? MCA and Disney claim that taping programs off the airwaves violates the laws forbidding the reproduction of copyrighted material. Sony, as might be expected, count, counters with the argument that not even Walt Disney has the right to dictate what we do with electronic gizmos and the privacy of our own four, four plus ones. What is a four plus one like a slang term for a house? As one Sony executive points out, no publisher would ever try to tell a subscriber when and in what order to read his magazine. The courts aren't expected to cut that Gordian knot for another year or so. As I recall, wasn't there a home taping act that U.S. Congress passed that cleared up this issue? Betamax fans also point out tellingly that MCA, in addition to being a film and TV studio, is also collaborating with Philips on a video disc system. RCA also has a 60 minutes per side disc device in the works, and Matsushita Panasonic has just announced a third variation that may be compatible with RCAs. Since these devices are playback only, 
it would seem that MCA has a strong financial interest in quashing home recording. Actually, since the video disc systems are planned to sell for less than $500 and play back in stereo sound, there will probably be a market for them regardless of the outcome of the videocassette lawsuit. They're in the late development stage, and experts say that we can expect to see them in stores within the next year or two. The effect on television will be earth-shaking since the, net the network's corner on the dissemination of programming will be broken entirely. Independent production houses will spring up as they have in the music business. Diversity will become rampant. Interesting predictions there from 1977. What's going on here on this show here? God, Bernadette Peters. This is horrible. <laughs> God, here comes Newly. Newley's great. You know, he was the... Ins he, David Bowie based his singing style off Anthony Newley. It should have been all Newley. Forget these other people. Get rid of, get rid of Paul Williams and Mel Tillis. Should be all Newley all the time. Mel Tillis. I was alone. I took a ride. I didn't know. <laughs> oh my God, this is horrible. <laughs> we got to fast forward to Born Newly. <sighs> these, these, these different people. Medleys. Medleys. <clears throat> Let me, let me fast forward here. Oh my God. Paul Williams as, as a mime. Without a sound. And Mr. Race will demonstrate ten summersets. He'll undertake on solid ground. Having ten some days in preparation, a splendid time is guaranteed for all. And tonight, Mr. Kite is popping the bill. And tonight, Mr. Kite is popping the bill. All right, here's here's Newly. Okay, come on. Oh, that's a good song. We were talking about the lovely overture. Nearly. 
I'm gonna have to keep watching this. This is good. This is good stuff. Yeah, that is quite. Uh, yeah, that's amazing stuff. That Inouye was just such an interesting celebrity that by now is completely lost to history. But I remember my mother always commenting that she was a fan of his. <clears throat> um, but endlessly fascinating. Uh, anything with this guy, definitely. In other news. I did not know that scat cat is actually a phrase that, uh, kitty, Mojo, what are you saying? Here's what it says, and I had never heard of this. Scat cat sneeze response. <clears throat> Dexter in Clintonville, Alabama, reports that his Minnesota-born wife was baffled after she sneezed, and he responded with, scat cat, <laughs> kitty. I'm not telling you to scat. I'm just referring to the phrase. Um, I had never heard that. This almost feels like one of those alternate reality things. Across the American South, this phrase and variations of it serve as an informal response when someone sneezes. Other versions include, Scat there, your son bit your tail off. Scat cat, your tail's on fire. Scat cat, get your tail out the gravy. Scat cat, get your tail out of the butter. No one's sure how this expression came to be, although it, it may have to do with the ancient belief that a sneeze involves releasing an evil spirit from the body. Other ways to wish a sneezer well, of course, includes bless you, as well as the German Gesundheit, Spanish salud, uh, both of which literally mean health. So I did not know this. It's, I mean, I, I had no, completely no awareness of this. Scat cat... I might start using it. I'm tired of saying bless you or Gesundheit. Uh, scat cat. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see, if, let's see if we have any audio examples of someone saying it. Let's see. Mm, no, they're just showing cats sneezing. They're not showing the phrase. Hmm. No, I can't. I don't know if I can find anything here. Wow, Scat Cat, you know? Who knew? Talking. forward to see if there's any more newly stuff. Wednesday morning at five o'clock as the day begins Silently closing her bedroom door 
Oh, it just gets ruined when Bernadette Peters comes in. No, I want to hear only Newly, please. Oh, my God. Bernadette Peters. And here's the end of the show with uh, Tony Randall. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for sharing this hour with us. And on behalf of Diane Carroll, Ray Charles, Anthony Dowell, Anthony Newley, Bernadette Peters, Mel Tillis, Paul Williams, and myself, Tony Randall, we'd like to thank George Harrison, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, and Ringo Starr. Not only for their Who music, were all alive at the time. But for an era. The 60s, the age of Aquarius. <laughs> the age of Aquarius. <laughs> That'd be, that'd be a good sample to play over and over again somewhere. Anthony Dowell, Anthony Newley, Bernadette Peters. Sorry, I just want to hear him say the age of Aquarius again. Tony Randall. We'd like to thank George Harrison, John Lennon, Paul McCartney, and Ringo Starr. McCartney? Not only for their music, but for an era. The 60s, the age of Aquarius. The age of Aquarius, yes. <laughs> thank you, Beatles. <laughs> what that letter writer didn't understand the more Beatles the better it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if it's good or bad more Beatles more good more gooder okay and I, I, I did want to since last episode was called I'm a Jukebox and I simply based it on what you heard the opening phrase of uh, Rock Odyssey hi I'm a Jukebox but there is actually a song called Hello I'm a Jukebox it's the $450,000 Tournament of Champions at Empire City Casino. Oh, all this gambling. There is actually a song. I'm a jukebox. I'm a jukebox, damn it. Tonight, the jukebox plays for me. Hello. Hello. I'm a jukebox. What? No, you're not losing your mind. You see, we just never say anything, except at a very special time. And I know this is a special time for you, mister. But why don't It you is special. I'm recording the overnight skip, of course. Oh, I know you didn't come in here for talking. I did, actually. I'm talking on the show. But you picked a bad place, friend. What? A place to forget. Sure, it's hard to leave a woman you love. Especially one like you've got. Oh yes, I know her. She's the girl with the big smile. Alright, it just goes time. like it goes on like that. You get it. Hi, I'm a jukebox. <laughs> what the hell? Oh man, this video is so good. Did I talk about this? <clears throat> Transglobal underground. Looky here. I don't know if I talked about this before. I think we'll uh, we'll save that for the next episode. I, I don't I don't I, I don't have the energy to talk about Transglobal Underground right now. Let it let us, let us just say it's a great video. Yes. What what do you what, what's the matter, Kitty? Show me what you want. What do you want, Kitty? Oh, I know what he wants. He's gonna lead me upstairs, and he, I think he, there's a certain closet he wants to go into. Kitty. Let's see where he wants to go. Kitty, what are you doing? Oh, his his closet is blocked. Here, Kitty, go on in. Here. 
How about you go inside the closet? There you go, kitty. All right? Want to go in? Okay, kitty, go on in. He gets upset when the closet door is closed. <laughs> that was that's what that's what that was all about. See? Cats know how to communicate. Oh, is it a dark outside already? It happened. The day-night cycle. It does happen. Oh, look at this. Neft brand vodka. We'll have to talk about this next time as well. It's in like this little oil drum. All sorts of fun stuff. It's February already. February 2024. Yeah, as I mentioned, I have a weasel adventure coming up. The three weasels together with uh, Jefferson from Philadelphia, who you may know from the uh, exit ramp and also from our last weasel adventure. He's going to be joining us as well. Should be interesting. Not sure exactly what we're doing. I, I do want to go to that Hindu temple, but I think it may be a bit far. Maybe we can go to the Hindu temple, though. We'll see how far it is. Um, but yeah, that should really be interesting. Anyways, with that, I'd like to say thank you so much for patching into this episode of the Overnightscape. It is truly much appreciated. Without you listening, this would just be a bunch of... My voice would be a bunch of ones and zeros on a server somewhere in the future. By you listening, it brings this moment back, synchronizes our realities, revives the information. <laughs> what the hell am I talking about? Anyways, yes, this is the Overnightscape, and we're here on Onsug Radio, uh, broadcasting inside the book, as I was talking about earlier for the, uh, the store concept, not really the store, the location concept. <coughs> and, um, yeah, from right now, you go to onsug.com, O-N-S-U-G.com, and uh, get all, your, all the latest shows, right? You can buy the book. You can get a PDF of the book. That's quite a book. <coughs> I can't believe it was just a month ago I put it out. I haven't even updated it yet. I, have to, I mean, I, I have to update it for November, December, and January now, so... I think this well this weekend. I don't know if I'll have much time to do that. Oh yeah, on Sunday I'm going to be going on someone else's podcast. I haven't done that in a heck of a long time. I'll talk more about that when it happens. Um, it's called the Pep Talk. Nothing to do with past editing paranoia, I don't think. But anyway, yeah, check out onsug.com. We have over fourteen thousand hours of content. Oh, almost eleven thousand individual episodes. And. Uh, Listen, if you're if, if listen, if you're into such things as many people are, this truly is the mother load for this type of content, and you found it. Congratulations! And we're really, you know, it's a non-commercial project, which I know does not compute in today's cu- cupiditous world. Is that the word cupiditous? Everyone's obsessed with money. Well, I am too, to some level. Everyone is, but uh, this project—I mean, this project didn't start off non-commercial, but it just sort of turned into that. And it's basically—I don't think it could work if it was commercial in any way. Um, yeah, and we're very focused on preserving these shows on into the future. And uh, I just think there's very few people that have state that as an intention these days. And I'm not just doing it because I want to impose myself on the future. It's because of my experience with audio from the past that has so enriched and engaged and, and, and changed my life in so many ways. Um, Gene Shepard being the prime example of that. 
that I feel that the, this style of audio, the monologue style, um, the free form, talking about all sorts of things, giving thoughts and perspectives on things, I incredibly appreciated it. Gene Shepard, especially like in the earlier 60s, his shows. Listen, I wasn't born yet. It's not my time, but it was so fascinating, so inspiring. That's why I feel like it's a good idea to do this, to really focus on preserving this stuff, because I think this will be of interest in the future. I really do. <clears throat> and don't forget, you can be in this archive. Your voice can be in the archive. Would you like something of yourself to carry on into the future? Well, then ch- check out Overnightscape Central, now put out monthly by Dave in Kentucky. The next episode is coming right up in about a week and a half. The deadline is February 10th for the episode on old-time religion, old-time rock and roll, and old-time radio. <laughs> Each one of those could be multiple shows. There's such rich topics. Um, but you can choose one, two, or all three topics to talk about. The first episode was fantastic, and uh, we're hoping for even more for this next one. So please, all you have to do is record your thoughts on one, two, or three of these topics and send that audio to daveky at mail.com. That's D-A-V-Y-K-Y at M-A-I-L dot com. And you can even email Dave just to ask him questions like, what is this all about? What do you want me to record? Uh, what, you, know, there, you know, all this kind of stuff. I'm sure, I'm sure you, he'll be very happy to uh, work with you on that. And, uh, yeah, we love hearing different perspectives on these things, and we'd love to hear from you, so please do. Please do uh, contribute to the Central. And you might reach people in the year 5,000. You don't know. Is that even a year 5,000? There will be a year 5,000 in theory. They'll probably reset it at some point. Don't you think they'll, like, things get so screwed up. Listen, let's just go back to the year zero. Okay, let's just forget all this other stuff happened. Let's start start all over again. But it still will, even if it's, like, the new year, like, you know, 900, it'll still be the year 5,000 from this perspective. You see what I'm saying. Right? You know what I mean? I, I, there's not that much science fiction set in the, in the 5,000s. You know, usually it's like the year 3,000 or the year like you know 45,000. But 5,000, you don't really get too much. No. In the year 5,000. Yes. Who knows? I mean, this, this could be like a required listening for all students in the year 5,000. You never know. I'm sure as people will be effectively immortal, they'll be, uh, you know, it'll be like a college course that, that goes on for like 40 years. It's on Sug Radio. You can hear it, listen to everything, and discuss it at class. Yes, we just listened to episode uh, 2088. Right, this is one. This is where Frank was talking about Scat Cat. Well, the other Scat Cat. Well, yes, we didn't know there were multiple Scat Cat characters in the late, in the, in, in the late 20th century. Why, why do you think that was? Well, Scatman Crothers was known for scatting, a, a type of singing where you, you're, you're talking nonsense. Oh, not the other scat. No, not that. Nothing to do with that other phrase that has that other thing going on. This is not like that. Okay? It's just like the little kittens talking about swingers. It, sometimes it can be very innocent. But if you have a dirty mind, you might interpret it a different way. But, you know, do people even have dirty minds in the year 5000? It's probably all been cleansed. Your minds have been cleansed in the year 5000. The hell? 
Well, listen, you, we we have to get we have to dirty your minds up uh, once again. So uh, check this out. Get ready for a real dirty trip, man. It's gonna uh, take you back and forth through through audio goodness. As you know, each time on the show here, we have this. The other side. Excuse me, but my name is Williams. Okay. You said you wanted to talk? Let's talk. You have the girl. I want her. As you can imagine, we're concerned for her safety. We want her returned. Uh, we gotta get her back, man. When she's safe, you will be safe. That's not difficult, is it? Just keep your mouth shut. We are in deep trouble. Maybe these guys are bluffing, but maybe they're not. That's what you don't know. Don't you think we ought to call the station? What for? Just to let them know. Know what? We'll give it a bit longer. You just follow instructions, do what you're told. I got 300 hot screaming kids waiting to see Leo the Lizard. Yeah, you ran off with some whore. Happens all the time. Mm. Sounded like a crocodile. Like a uh, imitation crocodile. Doctor said you should stay in bed. The final clue came when I saw her in the red satin skirt. She walked towards me. Her hips waved a happy hello. Then I noticed the run in her black silk stockings, and I knew I was on the right track. Well, we work with lasers. Say, why don't you quit the violin music? No, they didn't. I know he would never do something so wicked, and God is my witness.
First, the acclaimed double take. Then, internal affairs. I think he drowned. Dead when he hit the water. Now, Richard Krenner is back as Detective Janet. You know what happens? You blow this? A beat on the North Pole. In a murder mystery which could end his career. I don't like you using yourself as bait. Look, it's the only way this can work. For good, for the first time, murder in black and white tonight. Our senior citizens are being helped by Australian Rotary Health Research. Rotary. Serving those in need. Get a free TV today from Fantastic Furniture. Buy the six-foot wool unit, three-piece lounge, five-piece dining, coffee table, TV video unit, six-foot bookcase and the sofa bed. All this for a fantastic $19.99. Plus, we'll give you free this 34-centimeter remote-controlled color TV. Yes, a free TV. A dollar down and four years to pay or a three-month lay-by you can take home today. Fantastic Furniture, Birkenhead Point, Punchbowl, Warwick Farm, Prospect and Penrith. A free TV. Oh, from the Package Deal Kings. Urama, the Central Coast land specialist, has a selection of exciting home sites on sale this weekend. Bargain lots close to Lake Macquarie from $45,000. Park Royal Estate Belmont, half-acre lots with ocean views from $99,000. And Urama's newest release on the Central Coast, close to Tugra Lake from a low $62,000. Finance guaranteed on 10% deposit. Ring Urama now. 299-5228. Shake the world and shock the hypocrite Come love, carry it away, turn it upside down Let the carnival begin, let me out and let me in Come love, carry it away, turn it upside down Let the rich and mighty wait, let the ball come through the gate Come love, carry it away, turn it upside down Come holy harlequin, show the world your slapstick liberty Come love, carry it away, turn it upside down Let the feast of love begin, let the hungry all come in Come love, carry it away, turn it upside down Show the crooked how to live, be forgiven and forgive Come love, carry it away, turn it upside down Come love, carry it away, turn it upside down the children, you neglect the house, and still you find time to let the dinner get cold before you serve it. Hey, that sounds like the Connor family. Yeah, it'll be great. A couple hours of real tense conversation, followed by a delightful dinner from hell. If Peg can, Rosie can. Well, I always got good marks. Yeah, mostly on your neck. If you haven't met the Connors, your chance is coming soon. Like when I sprained my ankle, she was there. She was there when that guy ditched me at the dance. Let's face it, she's bad luck. Roseanne Barr. Ta-da! With one of the world's most popular funny men, John Goodman. You don't look half bad, toots. And a motley bunch of kids. None of them look like me. That won't stand up in court, Dan. Damn. You've got the new comedy series that's more successful than Married with Children. The minute I turned my back, you went and stole my man. Get ready. Sex. They're coming to Friday nights. Oh like Peg and Al, Rosie and Dan are married with kids. Roseanne, soon on 10. Oh, it's a proud, proud day.
was taken by Wally Junglad's sister.
Let's play ragtime band. the entire city of Seattle on the roof of my car. Now my car has wings, feathers, and a beak. A little glue, a few seeds, just add water, and voila! It's not what you add on to our car that makes it more fun. It's what you take off. The Del Sol from Honda. Right now, your Honda dealer is offering attractive lease rates on the Del Sol S.
hotel lounge, pick up my post, then go off for a drive by the coast. is brought to you by 20th Century Fox Video. That was quite delicious.
I think we must begin to say no to certain kinds of technology and to begin to control technological change because we've now reached the point at which the technology is so powerful and is so rapid that it could destroy us unless we control it. But what's most important is that we do not simply attempt to act, that we simply do not accept everything, that we begin to make uh, critical decisions about what kind of world we want and what kind of technology we want. Our children, will we save them from future shock? Or are they destined to suffer the same illness that rocks today's society? The directions we choose have consequences not merely for us. The choices we make will determine the nature of their world. There is still time.
Dodge dealer now.